Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Monday. My name is Brant Daughtry coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. Joining me today is Mr. Tom Peavy. Two-man show today as we get underway. A lot has happened since the last time we were on the air. Auburn basketball has played two NCAA tournament contests, one that they won and one that they lost. Auburn women have played uh, their first round of the WNIT, uh, got a victory over Tulane in Neville Arena, and are off to Clemson to play the Lady Tigers in the second round of that one. Uh, coming up at 3.15, we will have your birthdays in sports at 5.30. Tom and I will give our best and worst of the weekend. And as always, our nightly TV guide at 5.50, brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tom, how are you today on this Monday, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been a... Uh, I guess I guess not really a very good weekend overall for Auburn sports. I mean, there were some good things. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the Auburn win uh, over Iowa was good, but that was you know, kind of before we got into the weekend. As far as the weekend, Friday, Saturday, uh, bad, bad weekend for baseball as they get swept uh, in a big way by Arkansas. Uh, basketball, they lose one to Houston where – you kind of saw a microcosm of Auburn's entire season in one game. You saw a half, you saw a first half where Auburn played some of their best basketball and kind of like we had seen in previous games, they looked like a team that could play against anybody out there and take a 10-point lead in the halftime. And then you followed up with a second half that was arguably probably one of the worst halves of basketball that Auburn played the entire season so you played one of your best halves of basketball all season and one of your worst halves of basketball all season in one game and it ends up being the end of the season so uh we'll get more into that uh softball uh a rough go of it out uh in oklahoma at the tournament out there um really just kind of shows where Auburn is talent level, talent wise, and and level compared to some of the elite teams. I mean, when when you get beat combined by Oklahoma, who is, you know, the number one team in the country, defending national title holders of, of several years. You know, when you get beat up, what is it, twenty two to one total combined score? I think of the two yeah, games it was, or something like that. The, the first game was fourteen to one. Uh, very obviously, an ugly showing. Second game, I believe, was seven to or excuse me, fourteen to nothing, and then seven to one. Uh, in in the Sunday game, so, so twenty one, yeah, not 20. not a, not a great showing from softball, but like you yeah. said, the the defending national champion Oklahoma Sooners, yeah. but but you know you're hoping, you know you you've been hoping and we've been hoping and Auburn fans have have been hoping that uh, Mickey Dean could get that team back to national prominence and back to a women's college world series national title level like we have seen them do right. under the Myers where they actually beat Oklahoma. In the College World Series, they did lose to Oklahoma, but they beat them in one game out there. Uh, and, and Oklahoma is kind of that team that is, you know, 
they're like the standard. They, they're the they're standard. The yeah, standard. they they are the gold standard right now in softball. And and to show that you are just that far away from them is not a good feeling. So, yeah, a lot to discuss. Uh, overall, personal wise, very good weekend for me. Very busy weekend uh, with St. Patrick's Day being on Friday and working in the uh, in the bar industry. Oh, yeah. I um, <laughs> that was. I, I I'll be honest. I didn't even think about that, but. I bet I bet that's one of your busier weekends on the year. It, Friday, Friday night was Friday night was pretty dumb. Um, <laughs> I mean, dumb in a good way, but uh, also extremely tiring. Um, but yeah, busy weekend, good weekend, uh, good weekend personally for me, but a bad weekend for for sports if you're an Auburn fan. Yeah, absolutely. I obviously I feel like our conversation today is going to be dominated by the by Auburn men's basketball season coming to an end. To your point. At halftime, you had a 41-31 to 31 lead. Like you said, probably the best half of offensive basketball, at least, that you've played all season long. Just a dominant performance, especially after that after-12 timeout. That's when Auburn, it seemed like it really came alive against, frankly, the I think the best defense in the country. Sure. Houston is an incredible defensive team. Uh, in the second half, Houston just kind of woke up is what it felt like. They, yeah. I, I've said it a hundred times on this show. Uh, I, this team's legacy, I think, is going to be Good, not great. You won 20 games. That's a plus. That's something that a lot of teams sure. would absolutely kill for. Uh, but also, at the at the end of the run, it always felt like you just never had the guy who was good enough. Right. You never had the one guy that when you needed him to step up and, and take his shot, he was going to be able to, and he was going to make it. And, and Wendell Green tried to be that guy. And to Wendell's credit, there were a lot of games in crunch time, while he didn't hit a game winner this year, he hit six or seven shots in the past in the in the final three minutes to seal the game and he was an incredible clutch free throw shooter so you've got a guy that can do that in Wendell but at the end of the day when you needed a guy to step up and either stop a run or start a run uh to to hit a dagger on a team to hit a game winner on a team it just seemed like that guy never stepped forward yeah and, and that was the big difference with from last year's team and I and you have to understand that that was going to be the case because most teams don't lose uh, players of the caliber of a Jabari Smith and a, and a Walker Kessler, oh, yeah. and just be fine. Um, so, yeah, this team this year, you just uh, in, like you said in crunch time, you just did not feel like that there was a one particular guy that you knew put the ball in his hands, and, and you really felt confident that it was going to do something. Last year, you kind of had that. You could say, you know, get the ball in Jabari's hands and let that man take over. And if Jabari can't seem to take over, then get it in Kessler's hands and let him take over yeah. on the inside. And but, you had that the, pick that pick and roll with Wendell Green and Walker Kessler worked was, for three fourths of the season. Sure, um, it, but you had confidence in those guys to put the ball in their hands. This, this team this year, there's not a single guy on that floor that I look at that I'm like, you know, if if we need points right here this ball better be in this guy's hands because i mean really it could be anybody and unfortunately the fact is they were all so woefully inconsistent that yeah i mean it could be multiple guys but you don't really want that you need to have that guy that that you know can pour it in for you and auburn didn't have that and uh you know the the inconsistencies this year uh, really reared their head in that Houston game, and we've seen it all season long, and it's something that I've 
just talked about uh, beat the dead horse about the inconsistencies with this team. And it was something that I saw way back early in the season Oh yeah, that I voiced some concerns about. And, of course, a lot of people thought I was just being negative and things like that. It's like, no, it's, it's patterns of things that I see. And the pattern that I saw developing with this team uh, way back even before SEC play, the pattern was inconsistency. And that inconsistency just continued throughout the season. And, and you can go back and point out a bunch of different games. Uh, you know, you you could play a full game where you look like a world beater, turn around the very next game and look like you forgot how to play basketball. Um, and then throughout certain games, you know, uh, Alabama at Alabama, you're up by 17 points. You you look like a team that could play with anybody in the country. Absolutely. In the in the first part of that game at Alabama in a hostile environment against arguably the best team in the country right now, and you're up by 17 points, and you fall apart and you lose that. Um, you you know then you turn around you play a great game you play a great game against Tennessee and you get a win SEC tournament you you fight and claw you look bad for poor uh, you know for a long portions of that game you look just awful and then you look really good and then you look really awful and then at the end you finally get the lead but then you can't hold the lead it just those things it just it, it was just mind numbingly inconsistent with these guys this year. Um, you know, and we'll see what happens going forward. Obviously, um, recruiting transfer portal is going to have to be a big thing. Yeah, uh, you have to imagine you're going to lose some guys off of this team. Uh, you have to imagine some of these guys are going to be back next year because, I mean, let's face it, there, there's not a, uh, there's nobody really on that team that you could look at and be like uh, that guy's going to the NBA. Yeah. So there's, there's not a lottery pick on this team. No. There's not there's not a guy who is guaranteed to make it out of the G League right. on this team. I, I think Alan Flanagan is is the only draft prospect and he's a he's a day two guy yeah. at, at best. And at he best. might he might be a free agent signing. So. Yeah. So you know, with, without a lot of NBA uh thoughts out there i mean a lot of these guys that have the eligibility will be back unless they decide to transfer out uh but you know i think uh bruce pearl is not a he's not an idiot he understands yeah. and he's not going to say it because that's one thing that i love about bruce pearl is he's not going to throw his guys under the bus no matter how much it might be on the tip of his tongue he's not going to throw his guys under the bus he will throw himself under the bus before he does before he throws his guys but he's also not an idiot he understands that this team was just really awful at shooting the ball. Um, you know, you would have some bright, shining moments here and there with KD and, and Wendell, but, you know, overall this team just could not shoot the ball. So I know he's going to try to find some guys that can shoot. Um, to, you know, to that point, Aiden Holloway committed for next year, already signed, and he is and he, he's yeah. a very, very good shooter. He's yeah. a shot creator, loves to shoot from three. Uh, and is coming in next year, and and Bruce, and it's been reported that Bruce and Auburn are already in contact with a lot of guys in the portal. Sure, uh, a lot of guys in the portal. I um, I, I really think now Janai Broom had some had some great times, uh, but I think that and because of the success that you were able to see with what a guy like Walker Kessler could do. I think they may try to go out and find a big, like a big big. Like Janai Broom is a big, but I mean he's not a big big. He's not a Walker Kessler big. Right. He's he doesn't he's not a seven footer. Right. So he's close. You know, and he, he could provide you a lot of things, but he was just, you know, he's still that step below a, a guy like Kessler. Right. 
and, and I think you know you go out and you find a really big, uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody that can fill up that center. And Janai does great, but I think Janai could be used in other areas instead of trying to be the rim protector and, and that sort of thing. But uh, you know, yeah, it's disappointing. I I, I love the I love the way that the uh, the team fought against Iowa. Loved hearing the crowd uh, there in Birmingham. I mean, they really showed out. Loved the first half against Houston, and then the, the set. <laughs> then the second half happened. Uh, I mean, you you're, you're not going to win too many games when you go four for twenty four for the field and a half. Yeah, that's I mean that that's that's tough, not going to come back. That's from. not going to win you many games at all. Before we head to our first commercial break, let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Who is up? James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you today, sir? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy, how are you? Yeah, I know that y'all were talking about uh, Auburn in Iowa, if I'm mistaken. Yeah, yeah the that one was, that, that was the first game, yes. Yes, and I actually had um, I actually had Auburn favorite to beat Iowa, but in the first half, it, it was looking good. It was looking really good with uh, Janiah Broom. And after that first half, I looked at the second half of that game, and it just fell off from there. Yeah, the game against Houston uh, was the good first half of that fell off. The game against Iowa, Auburn ended up winning, but uh, against Houston just couldn't keep it up in the second. Yeah, because I know uh, – yeah, that, that was the game that I was watching – over the weekend as well. And with Houston, they really have a good team. But I think, you know, I, I don't know if Houston is still is still alive in, in the March Madness tournament. They are. But, but I'm, I'm actually looking at now, I'm looking at um, the Sweet 16. So I'm, um, I'm narrowing it down now with Houston to actually play in the – you know, in the Final Four tournament when that time comes. So I'm looking at Houston, Tennessee. Um, I'll probably say Alabama, but I'm not quite sure on Alabama's chances of actually playing in Houston because Alabama, the University of Alabama, I was looking at their uh, their their appearance and they never made an an NCAA tournament appearance ever in their program history well they've they've made a couple but it is true they have never made the final four yeah so i think um i'll just probably scratch out alabama and i'll just put in like tcu or uh texas as well because i think with texas i see texas and houston actually playing each other in the in the final four as well well houston and texas could play each other in the Elite Eight because yeah. they are, but they are in the same division, so they would have to be in the Elite Eight and not the Final Four. And and looking at and TC, the, TC looking at the way that last and TCU night. did did get beat. Yeah. Uh, and looking at Alabama's division of the bracket, there's not a whole lot of competition left for them in the Sweet 16. There's been a lot of upsets, and I think Alabama is the best team remaining in that by by a good bit. So I I think Alabama's path to the Final Four is pretty clear right now. Yeah, because if, if Alabama makes it to the Final Four, I want to know who would have their Cinderella uh, story ripped up from under the rug from them as well with all of that allegations on, uh, you know, Brandon Miller's case and will he be able to play in the big game, in the big dance for the Final Four this year as well. 
Uh, you know, I don't expect anything more to come of the Brandon Miller case, and if it does, it will probably be after the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so when this uh, tournament is said and done, I'm just going to see uh, what the NCAA uh, would look at, what what would they say of, uh, of Brandon Miller's future and seeing what they're going to do. And the uh, athletics director of the University of Alabama, will they fire the head coach from the University of Alabama or will they just have to, you know, suspend Brandon Miller for the remaining of the 2024-2025 Alabama basketball Season. Well, a, a Brandon Miller will be not playing college basketball uh, after this year's NCAA tournament. He'll be off to the NBA. Oh. Uh, if something, oh. if it is determined that we that something comes up, came up that we don't know, or someone else takes a look at the case and pursues it, uh, something could happen to Greg Burns. Something could happen to Nate Oates. Oh. But I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, because I know with me watching NBA. Um, highlights and news and stuff. I'm just seeing what uh, Alan, Alan Silver, uh, the president over the NBA, I don't know if he's going to have that, uh, you know, actually hit his desk and uh, seeing what is going to happen with Brandon Miller, if he's going to be a draft pick or a lottery pick. I I mean, other people say, I mean, people say otherwise, but I just say, no, it, it, it won't be your time to actually go into the NBA as well. So, I mean, the NBA, it, it's a no for me. I, I really, I mean, for me, as a Dallas Mavericks fan and, and and a huge fan of the NBA, I don't see Brandon Miller actually hitting the hardwood in the NBA no, for a long time as well until this um, gets cleared up off of his record as well. Yeah, well, I again, he he has currently been cleared of all charges. Something new would have to come up uh, for him to to not go in. So uh, he is right now projected to be the third overall draft pick in this year's upcoming NBA draft, behind Victor Wembanyama and uh, Scoot Henderson. So it's very likely that Brandon Miller uh, is headed to the NBA. What else do you have in your mind for us today, James? Well, I'm actually looking at uh, Auburn Pro Day because we're actually doing that tomorrow, and I'm actually going to be seeing. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to be there tomorrow because I'm being uh, Montgomery for Auburn uh, versus South Alabama, and I'm going to be looking at, um, at highlight on uh, Twitter and seeing uh, some great uh, videos from uh, Derek Hall and seeing what he's going to do because I think Derek Hall, I think he might go first or second round, um, you know, in April to uh, either Kansas City or actually going to. Uh, play with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals as well. One of those two teams that I'm actually looking for off the uh, first round of the 2023 NFL draft as well. Yeah, a lot of ho- uh, future NFL hopefuls in this dra- uh, in this upcoming draft class. Owen Papo, Tank Bigsby, Derek Hall, like you mentioned, uh, guys who could go uh, late on day one or early on day two. So uh, some mm-hmm. some really good players coming through uh, this year's pro day, and I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, because if, um, I'm looking at like Tank Dixie, and I'm pretty sure um, we do. I mean, my Cowboys, they do need an edge rusher, so I'll just probably see if he would actually, you know, get that get that uh, Cowboys uh, phone call from Jerry Jones and uh, Mike McCarthy, and, and pretty much he'll, he'll be a good fit for that Prescott this year, and uh, I'll probably 
uh, put uh, Tank Bixby in that in that category as well because I do see Tank Bixby in a Cowboys uniform sometime this year. I actually think that could work out pretty well with uh, the Cowboys cutting Ezekiel Elliott uh, and uh, franchise tagging Tony Pollard. They might want to get some younger blood in there, so that could that could make sense. Tank Bixby to Dallas. Uh, what else do you have on your mind? Well, I'm actually um, I'm. Well, over the weekend, I was watching the uh, race from Atlanta, and it was a really uh, experienced race. I was seeing over uh, Sunday's uh, afternoon race, and it was um, pretty amazing. Seeing some amazing stuff coming out of Bubba Wallace, and uh, and I didn't win that race uh, on Sunday, so I lost that one as well. Yeah, uh, Atlanta Motor Speedway, one of the great ones in uh, this year's or in in NASCAR right now. I've actually been to Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's a pretty cool place, and uh, would enjoy going back sometime. James, uh, we're about to have to let you go. Any final thoughts for us? Um, no, I don't have any final thoughts. But uh, for tomorrow, I might as well get uh, Masters uh, trivia for golf because I know the Masters is right around the corner in April. And I would um, talk to you all guys on uh, tomorrow about uh, Auburn uh, football. All right, sounds great, James. We will talk to you then. War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We have to get to our first break. When we come back, birthdays and sports. You're listening to Sports Call here on this Monday. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back. Sports Call here on a Monday. Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy coming to you live from the Tiger Communication Studios. Kind of an unfortunate weekend for Auburn sports as we touched on. Uh, softball didn't perform well. Baseball got swept by Arkansas, and Auburn basketball season comes to an unfortunate end. But you know what can help cheer us up, Tom? Birthdays. It is time for today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports. Let's start you off on this March 20th, Jamal Crawford, former NBA guard, turns 43 today. Crawford was born in Seattle and was a parade All-American in high school and led his high school to a state championship in 1998. In 99, he signed to play at Michigan, where he spent one year. In 2000, he was drafted eighth overall by the Cavaliers and played 21 years in the NBA. He was a three-time NBA sixth man of the year and NBA record that he now shares with Lou Williams. Jay Craw- uh, excuse me, Jamal Crawford, Jay Crossover, turns 43 today. Turning 78 today is Pat Riley, president of the Miami Heat. He grew up in Rome, New York, and played college basketball at Kentucky. As a junior in 1966, Riley was an All-American and SEC Player of the Year, led the Wildcats to the NCAA Tournament Final. His number 42 is retired by Kentucky. After his college career, he was selected 7th overall by the San Diego Rockets and won an NBA title in 1980 while with the Lakers. After his 10-year playing career, He joined the Lakers as a coach and coached in the NBA until 2008, where he became president of the Heat. As a coach, he was five-time NBA Finals champion, three-time coach of the year, and nine-time All-Star head coach. As an executive, he is a one-time executive of the year and two-time NBA Finals champion. So let let me count that up. He's got five NBA Finals championships as a coach, two as an executive, and one as a player. He's got eight rings 
from nice. the NBA. So that's a pretty pretty solid career for Pat Riley. Yep. Turning 56 today is Mookie Blaylock, former NBA guard. He played at Oklahoma, where he led the Sooners to the 1988 NCAA Tournament Finals. His number 10 is honored by Oklahoma. In 1989, he was taken 12th overall by the New Jersey Nets, and he played 14 seasons in the NBA. Uh, probably most well known for his time with the Atlanta Hawks. He was taken first, or excuse me, he was a one-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA defensive team, and two-time NBA steals leader. He is the Atlanta Hawks' all-time leader in steals and three-pointers both taken and made. Probably not going to stand forever, no. given uh, the current state of uh, Atlanta basketball hmm. with Trey Young. But for the moment, Mookie Blaylock leads in both of those categories. Turning 33 today is Brad Hand. He's a closer for the Colorado Rockies. Hand was born in Minnesota and was a star in baseball, basketball, and football. Uh, he committed to play college baseball at Arizona State, but instead signed with the Marlins after being drafted in the second round in 2008. He made his major league debut in 2011 as a starter, but eventually moved to a closer role. He is a three-time All-Star, one-time All-Major League Baseball, and in 2020, he led the American League in saves. So Brad Hand turns 33 today. Uh, have fun pitching in Colorado. And last but not least, Bobby Orr turns 75 today. Former NHL defenseman, Orr was born in Ontario, Canada, and began playing hockey at just five years old. He made his way through minor league hockey until his 18th birthday when he started playing for the Boston Bruins in 1966. He played 13 seasons in the NHL and is the only def defenseman to win the NHL scoring title. He won eight consecutive Norris trophies given to the league's best defenseman and three consecutive MVPs, both NHL records. He was an eight-time All-Star, two-time playoff MVP, and two-time Stanley Cup champion. His number four is retired by the Bruins, and he was inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1979. Bobby Orr, Tom, I, I don't know if, if you ever watched hockey growing up, but Bobby Orr is like the only big-time hockey name that I know other than Wayne Gretzky. It's like those are the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of hockey growing up. Uh, Bobby Orr, yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Um, you know, I still I remember Mario Lemieux, but I was even after oh, yeah. that. Patrick Waugh. Le Lemieux just retired, didn't he? I think so. Like very like, recently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, I mean, I grew up in the Southeast, so hockey, fair, fair hockey, hockey not really a big deal. Fair enough. All right, let's get to our next break. When we come back, probably hit more on Auburn baseball. Or, excuse me, Auburn basketball. You're listening to Sports Call here on a Monday. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... What? My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back. Sports Call here on a Monday. Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy coming to you live. Give us a call if you want. 334-887-3401 locally. Toll free at one 9 tiger 9 If you do call us on that Sports Call phone line, you'll join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown for hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. 
Give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Auburn Bank is proud to be the sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. Now, Tom, something that we haven't talked about yet uh, about Auburn's loss in the NCAA tournament that, I, I frankly, we need to talk about. It needs to be talked about. Uh, free throws were bad. Oof, yeah. Free throws were very, very bad. And uh, the actual numbers we have, 19 of 36 from the free throw line. You miss 17 free throws, you lose by 17 points. Yeah. Kind of funky how that worked out. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you look at everybody's stat line, everyone's going to say, man, the entire team was bad at free throws. The entire team wasn't. No, Janai Broom it, it, was. Janai Broom suddenly got the yips for at the worst possible time. And, and look, Janai Broom has never been just an incredible free throw shooter. He's never going to hit 85% of his free throws. But it was weird. He started out the season very poorly, was shooting about 50%, somewhere around there. And then once conference play started, he kind of got his feet underneath him. He got pretty good, was shooting about 72%, something like that. Pretty good, especially for a big man. And then all of a sudden in this game, I, I think he got in his head. Honestly, he, he started, I think I think his, I, I don't know. I, I think he started thinking about it too much and just was missing every single one of them finished. Uh, six of 16 six, yeah six of 16 missing 10 free throws in a game is not good no and and the thing is i i, I think houston kind of realized that he was that he was not the guy that yeah. you know that they could hit free throws and so they didn't mind fouling him they uh they they would rather they would rather foul him and put him on the line than just let him have an easy bucket and so you know it's kind of a, a hack a broom yeah. game and uh, and it worked out in their favor and yeah I, I think it, it got in his head and he started thinking too much and pressing and you know once those misses start piling up that that goal gets smaller and smaller and smaller and that's uh, unfortunate because it is a free throw yeah. Free, th- free throws are free. Is, that's what everyone it, says, yes. right? And, uh, yeah, to miss 10 of those, is that's that's rough. And, I mean, that's uh, that, that was not the decider of the game, but, I mean, it was a huge part of the it game. A, because it was a big factor in the score at the end. Sure. It, a big factor in the score at the end. I mean, but the, as a team, they also, Auburn just went 4 of 24 from the field and missed a yeah, lot of wide-open shots. Second half, the second-half offense was bad. Yeah, second-half offense was terrible. Now, in credit, their defense... 16, 16.7% from the field. Right. Credit Houston as a defense for, for making some adjustments and getting vicious and aggressive and getting after it, and we knew that defense was going to be good. However, uh, just four field goals in the half, that de- I, I don't hate... Their rough, defense man. isn't that damn good. It's good, but it ain't four field goals good. Yeah. And, and and Auburn missed uh, many open shots. You know, when they did the right things against the defense and got the shots, they couldn't get them to fall. Uh, when they pushed it to the basket, they would get fouled, and then you couldn't knock down the free throws. So, um, yeah, I mean, that second half, and like I said at the opening of the show, it was the whole game was kind of a microcosm of Auburn's entire season of inconsistencies. You play a first half that's some of your best basketball, and then a second half that's probably your worst basketball. And that's what we saw throughout the season are times where this team looked like they could play against anybody out there at any time, and then other times they look like a team that you're wondering if they even deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, to to your point, in the first half, 16 of 29 from the field, 55%. 5 of 11 from 3, 45%. Free throws were still bad. You went 4 of 10 yeah. in the first. But again, most of your free throws are attributed to Janai Broom, who just had a bad game. Right. From the stripe, he still ended up scoring 14 points and had uh, 6 rebounds, which is not a bad performance. But, you know, you left 10 points on the board 
uh, with his free throw shooting, could have had 24, ideally. Now, obviously, you don't expect every guy to make every single one of his free throws, but let's say he goes 13 of 16, you know, it's still still a significantly better day. Uh, 20, nope, hold on. I can't, I can't do math. Anyway, looking at the second half, 4 of 24, 16% from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, and 57% of your free throws. So you did shoot better free throws in the second half, but not by a lot. It just... The offense, it felt like, got bogged down. And like you said, credit to Houston. Sure. But also, I mean, you, you didn't execute. You could not execute offensively. And I think Bruce said as much in, in the post game. It was just like, well, they, they def- what, what was his line? They defended us in the second half like I thought they were going to defend us in the first half. Right. Yeah. But you still got to be able to knock down shots. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. Um because yeah, it, it wasn't like it wasn't like Houston's defense just became of where Auburn could not get shots off. I mean, Auburn still got plenty of shots off. Granted, a lot of times they were defended, but there were times that they were open shots, and Auburn just couldn't knock them down. They could not yeah. knock down contested shots. They couldn't knock down open shots. They couldn't knock down long shots. They couldn't knock down short shots, and they sure as hell couldn't knock down a free throw. Well, at least Janai. Yeah. Um. And, and so yeah, I mean, okay. They 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 played they played a, you know Houston played a better defense in the second half but I mean you look at it Auburn only had eight turnovers in that game so it wasn't like a turnover bug hit them all of a sudden yeah. and they kept coughing up I mean they only had eight turnovers so you can't point at, at turnovers um, the rebound margin um, you know got bad but I mean even then ultimately at the end forty five to thirty four yeah you got out rebounded but. You didn't get just you know, hammered. No, nah, it's not that rebounds is not one of those you can just sit there and look at and it's like, holy crap, we just could not rebound the basketball. Yeah, you kind of struggled at it a little bit, but not that bad. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the 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 thing is just not being able to shoot the ball, and, and that's that's really what it boiled down to is you, you just could not shoot the ball. I think this team kind of got a little behind the eight ball. With again, like like you touched on, you lost two of the greatest players in school history right. who played at the same time and had a disappointing exit in their NCAA tournament. But two guys that were just ferocious and could go at one of the best defender in the country and the best eighteen year old shooter in the Milky Way Galaxy, and now they're both gone. You brought in guys that you thought were going to be able to replace. A, you brought in three guys that were you thought were going to be big time guys, and only one of them ended up contributing. And he didn't fill Walker Ke- Jani Broom can't fill Walker Kessler's shoes. I, really, nobody can, but you got what you expected from Janai Broom, but Yoan Treyor was expected to be an outside shot maker and a big who could defend on the inside, right. and Chance Westry was supposed to be the guy who could cut to the basket and hit some outside shots. He ends up getting hurt. Treyor ends up not catching up in time, still just kind of looked lost, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And, and so you're left with those two guys pretty much riding the bench all year, taking yeah. up scholarship spots. Uh, and not to say that they can't be great in the future. Obviously, they both have incredible potential, and I think both of them are part of the plan going forward, especially Chance Westry, right. uh, given what we saw from him in Israel. But I, I, I just not having those guys not contribute, I think, kind of doomed this team yeah. because you just kind of had to patch everything else together and hope that it worked. Yeah, and, and it did. To, to to be fair, it did to the tune of twenty three wins. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're kind of we're we're kind of 
talking down on them right now, but overall it was not a bad season. It was a season that many teams out there would love to take. Absolutely. They would love a 20-win 20, a 20 season. They would love a second round. You know, you got to win in the NCAA tournament. There's a lot of teams that are trying to figure out if they're ever going to get back to an NCAA tournament. For the record, so, Auburn now 12-0 and 0 in the yeah, round of 64 sure. all time. And, um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, there are so many positives to take away from the season. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they really, really missed on, uh, on, on Johan Traor. I thought he came in five-star. It was a big, big deal when he decommitted from LSU and, and committed to Auburn uh, amidst the Will Wade stuff that was going on at LSU. Traor was a former five-star, big, a 6'10", 6'10", 6'11", however you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, five star, one of the Supposed top be, one yeah. of the top rated uh, prospects in the entire country, yeah. and it was a huge, huge deal when Auburn got him. And they thought, at least I th- the Auburn fans thought, and I'm probably sure the staff thought that he could be a guy that could step in and take the Jabari Smith role. Yeah, because he has been playing center his entire life. He's been playing the five. Auburn right. wants him to play at the four. Right. And so, which is the, what Jabari Smith played. Right, which is, so you thought that he might be able to come in and be that next Jabari Smith. Uh, but now I'll say this, and, and, and this is a problem that, that you run into. It is a good problem, I guess, in a way. Um, we have talked about it before. If, if, as Bruce and this staff, and really any staff out there, if you get into the game of recruiting the one-and-dones, and that's what you want to do, and – Honestly, I mean, if you want to be a highly competitive team in the NCAA basketball, that's kind of the game that you got to get into. Yeah, is you got to bring in the one and done. You got to bring in the top players in the entire country. You get them for a year. You ride it, and you hopefully you get you a title. However, if you're going to play that game, you have to play that game every single year, or else what happens this year happens. So you lose two. Now, granted, Kessler was not a one and done. He was a one and done for Auburn. Yeah, because he had already played it at UNC. Um, but Jabari was a true one and done, and I think everybody understood that when he got here that he was the type of talent that was going to be a one and done. You can say same thing, same, the same thing with uh, Okoro and Okiki and those guys. When you start playing those one and done games, you have to keep playing that because if you don't, then you lose two guys and you don't have the next one and done to fill the to fill that void. And now you're playing with guys that. You know, are are not your? They're the guys that are going to play in the college all the way through. You know, maybe get their shot at the NBA, but they're not the surefire guys that you have. And so, uh, it that's one thing that they missed. Now, did they think that Johan was going to be a one and done, and that just ended up fizzling out uh, potentially? Um, but it, it's definitely the situation that you run into. Uh, the and, and again, that works out for, in most cases. I mean, you can look at a Kentucky. Um, I, I don't know how much longer Kentucky fans are going to put up with Calipari. That's, uh, that's an interesting conversation, and we, we can get to that in just a second. Probably going to have to get to it in hour number two. Yeah. But to, to your point, well, let, let me actually let me push back on one of your points here. The whole one-and-done thing and needing to keep it up, you mentioned Chumo Kiki, who actually did come here for two years. He wasn't, he wasn't well, yeah. NBA he wasn't He was a lottery pick, but he was here for two years. Nobody expected Isaac Okoro to be a one-and-done. He was the first one-and-done in school history, and people thought he was going to be here for two years. And then you go to the next year. This is where things get really interesting. Sharif Cooper. No, Everybody thought he was going to be here for two years. He ended up leaving an, a year early. Right. And you can make the argument in, in now in 2023, he should have stayed for a second year because he still has played in, I think, three, five or six NBA games. He's, right. he's playing for 
Cleveland's G League affiliate right now. Here's where things get interesting. Say if Sharif Cooper stayed for his second year. Now let's say that NIL comes a year earlier than it does. Now instead of going to the G League, G League Scoot Henderson is an Auburn Tiger. So you've yeah. got Sharif Cooper and Scoot Henderson as your backcourt. In the middle, probably Alan Flanagan. And then you have Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler as your four and your five. Yeah. That is what Auburn was very, very close to. That oh, yeah. was what Bruce Pearl was building towards. And he was Sharif Cooper making a different decision and college and the G League offering Scoot Henderson $100,000 plus away from that, which, you know, as good as Auburn was. As my, look, here's the thing. I love Wendell Green. I, I will go to bat for Wendell Green. I think he's a much better player than most people do. Right. He's just inconsistent he, shooting. He, he is inconsistent shooting, and he plays quote-unquote hero ball, which is a term that I hate. Yeah. But, uh, but I don't see that. I don't no, see no. hero ball from him at all. I don't either. But that's what people like to say. But the thing is, you he was not your first choice. Right. You were supposed to have Sharif Cooper last year. And then when Sharif Cooper left a year early, you were you tried to go get Desi Sills, who by the way has led Kansas State to the Sweet 16 now. Right? Didn't it? Didn't they win? They won their game, didn't mm-hmm. they? Kansas yeah. State did. So Kansas State is through to the Sweet 16. Kansas. That's what it was. Kansas is not in the Sweet 16. Kansas State is. Yeah. And they're being led by Desi Sills, who Auburn, who committed to Auburn and then went. Oh right, y'all don't have my degree, which is you know, it's still weird that that's something that we're having to deal with. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't see that coming. But that's how that's that's the kind of thing that we're building towards. And I'm, I'm mainly saying this for the people who see Bruce Pearl as a net negative. Bruce Pearl is the best basketball coach ever to come through Auburn. Sure. He has. I You, you can argue semantics about Jabari Smith and Charles Barkley, but arguably the best player ever to come through Auburn. And certainly every guy's two through ten. To ever come through Auburn. I've played under Bruce Pearl. Right. Bruce has gotten behind the eight ball because of things out of his control and a couple of things. Uh, the man wants to win. And I think going forward, what he's going to bring into Auburn is going to be more along the lineups that we thought Auburn was going to have last year. What he thought Auburn was going to have last year that Sharif Cooper, Scoot Henderson, Alan Flanagan, Jabari Smith, Walker Kessler starting five. Yeah, well, and, and you look at what he's already doing right now. So Aiden Holloway is coming in this year. Yep. Um, you would expect that he's going to get massive playing time. That's exactly. I mean, you I'm, ve- expect- I'm very interested to see what Bruce Pearl does at the one next year because Wendell Green might come back. He might go somewhere and try to start playing professionally because he is a little bit older. Yeah, but I mean, if if Aiden Holloway is a, it can be a true one, and if he's just better than than Wendell, then oh, yeah. then you just have Bruce. to you have to make that decision. Uh, but then you also look you look at the next year in twenty twenty four with the guys that have come. They've got two of the top point guards in the country committed right now. Yeah. Um, you've got the the, the Phylon kid out of Baker, yeah, LeBaron uh, Phylon, LeBaron Phylon. And now, granted, he is only a four star, but everybody that I've seen talk about him says that if he played in a state like Georgia instead of in Alabama, he would easily be a five star. But I believe he was Max Preps Player of the Year this year, wasn't he? I, I think so. Some, he got some play, some national player of the year. Award. Well, he was one of the nation leaders in uh, scoring points per game. Yeah, um, down there at, uh, at uh, Baker High School in Mobile. But one thing everybody talks about him is because the, the basketball, high school basketball in the state of Alabama, is not really as renowned as like Georgia. 
uh, and the AAU circuit around Alabama is not like it is in Georgia. Yeah. And so they said if he if he played high school ball in Georgia and played on one of the Georgia AAU teams, he would easily be a five star and one of the top players in the entire country. So I mean, Phylon is is the real deal. And then you also got the uh, the kid coming out from the from Northeast, uh, the North that's uh, committed. I, I know who you're talking about. He's a bigger, he's a Petaway. No, yeah, P- Rashad Petaway. Petaway. Okay. Rashad Petaway. Yeah. Um. Again, he's, he's a bigger guy. I know you've I know you've said like he's a true point guard. I'm interested to see what they do with him because I think he's about six three, six four, he, isn't yeah. he? And that does not fit the role of of what Bruce Pearl typically has at point. He normally runs a very small point guard, but you know that's what he is known. For, you know, Petaway is known as a true point guard, even at six three. Um, he's the one that's been compared to John Morant, right? And um. So yeah, I mean, the pieces of the puzzle are kind of there. He still needs to fill out some gaps there. I will say this: with all that being said, Auburn basketball isn't going away. Any, they're not going oh, no. anywhere. Um, and I and I fully believe, I fully believe that Bruce Pearl and that staff are, are looking hard in the transfer portal. Um, we mentioned, you know, the potential of trying to get another big, um, especially if you don't think if you don't think Trey Orr can be that. Or if you think that you want to move him to that four, if you need to get a true, try to find a seven-footer that can truly be yeah. your your force on the inside, then you try to go and find that. Um, maybe they try to go to Oral Roberts and convince that seven-foot-five kid to come here. <laughs> yeah, the, well, I don't know. Well, here's, here's the thing that I want to appreciate. We're talking about this like it was a down year. Right. And it, it was. It was a down we for, dis, for for what Auburn expects from Bruce Pearl, right. and for, from what Bruce Pearl expects from himself, and, from what, we, and from what we have seen from the team. Yeah, this is a disappointing season. Yes, that won twenty something games and made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Yes, that if that's your worst, if that's the worst that Auburn gets under Bruce Pearl, I will take it a hundred sure. times out of a hundred. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, but it, it was a bad year because you look at the fact that, uh, uh, you know, that they, they went, uh, they had that, the long stretch there at the end of the year of not being able to win away from Neville arena. Yeah. I mean, January, January 21st until that game against Iowa, Auburn had not won a game away from Neville arena and they lost at Vanderbilt. You lost, uh, you got swept by Alabama this year. That's, uh, that's another thing that you, I want to highlight. You got beat by Arkansas. You, you, you know, so many close losses. Yeah, so they, many close losses, and somehow you held it together and won an NCAA tournament game. Yeah, um, so many close losses. Um, so many times where you had the lead and just couldn't hold it. They, this team, uh, if there's one, I talked about the inconsistencies with the team, and and this kind of the inconsistencies kind of go along with it, but. I guess the biggest, biggest knock on this team was the inability to finish. Yeah, uh, and that's one thing you can all that you will always and forever go back and look at this team is the inability to finish games. Like I mentioned, they were up by seventeen at Alabama. I don't think anybody gave Auburn a chance in hell in that game because of the the situation that Alabama could lock up the SEC title. I thought it was going to be ugly. Oh, I, I think everybody really did. Ugly. I think everybody thought Alabama would just absolutely curb stomp Auburn. Auburn leads by 17. Yeah. But you can't finish. Uh, many other games, you had leads that you just couldn't finish or, or games that you scratched and clawed from down double digits and you scratch and claw and you get right back in it and then you just can't finish. It just, 
it's frustrating year, but I, I like I said, they're not going away anywhere anytime soon. They're, they're going to be back and stronger than ever. I, I truly believe that. Hour number one coming to a close. In hour number two, we'll talk a little bit about Auburn women's basketball's victory in the NIT and their next game coming up against Clemson. And also Hugh Freeze meeting with the media, talking about quarterbacks. Uh, had a spr- had a scrimmage over the, uh, over the weekend. We'll get to talking about some of his quotes, all of that and more. In hour number two, you are listening to Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call getting underway now. Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy coming to you very much alive, or at least pretty close to it, <laughs> from our studio here on South College Street. Tom, uh, we talked in the first hour about Auburn basketball. I think now is a wonderful time to transition over into Auburn football. Head coach Hugh Freeze meeting with the media following the first scrimmage of spring ball uh, last Friday. Uh, have you seen those quotes yet, or I, do you I, want to talk I, about, or do you want to do you want me to give them to you and feed uh, you a live reaction? I, I have not seen the quotes, so yeah. All right, so give them first, to me. I, first thing on the QBs said they are very coachable, but not where he wants to be right now. Right. Which is, I feel like that's pretty typical for spring, especially sure. for an offensive player. Offense, in my mind, is a lot more about execution, and it's offense is like a dance. Yeah. And defense is all about disrupting that dance. And when you don't have the dance choreographed, it's a lot easier to disrupt. So the quarterbacks uh, not being quite up to speed through the first couple of weeks of spring ball, I don't think is the worst thing in the world, uh, but something certainly to keep an eye on. He also said he has no idea who Auburn's starting quarterback would be if game one uh, happened today. But luckily, it doesn't happen for a while. So. Yeah. Um, it, it's not surprising. I mean, it, it's a it's a first-year coach coming in here with his system and his ideas and his philosophies and things like that. I, I would imagine that nobody on that team is to where they need to be right now because they're all learning. They're all learning brand-new things and, and learning brand-new coaches. And you can't expect that they're all going to be ready to go. So – that's not surprising. Uh, obviously, the quarterback situation is something that everybody's going to be looking at. I honestly believe, in my heart of hearts, I believe that Auburn's starting quarterback for game one is not currently on campus. I think so, too. Um, I, I think that they will hit the transfer portal hard after spring practices, and we have talked about this a lot with some of the quarterback battles going on at schools. Uh, around the country, but mainly in the SEC. Uh, Georgia right now trying to figure out who their starting quarterback is going to be to uh, to take over for Stetson Bennett. 
but they've got three former five stars sitting there ready to go. And you'd have to imagine that at least one of those is probably going to dip out if they don't win the job. You look at Ole Miss. Jackson Dart is still there, but then they brought in Spencer Sanders and they brought in uh, the uh, the kid from LSU, transferred from yeah, LSU, former five-star. I know, five I know you're talking about. I can't remember his is, name. Is his last name is White? Uh, is it? Is it, I think of Walker White, who's the, the kid who's committed, it's committed to Auburn. committed to Auburn, but it's not Walker well. White. It, it's yeah. another very common name like that. But, but Ole Miss – so, yeah, Ole Miss is looking at Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, who transferred in from Oklahoma State, and, and the five, former five-star kid that transferred in from LSU. So – you got to wonder how many of those guys are going to stick around Ole Miss. Um, makes me kind of think if they brought those two dudes in that they're not sold on Jackson Dart. So you kind of think that Jackson Dart may be in the portal right. uh, if he does not win the job. And, and you can point out others around the country that are having similar uh, quarterback battles where they have a full quarterback room. And I think that that's probably going to be where you look. Uh, I You know, T.J. Finley it just has not worked out. Uh, right. I mean, it, it. he's been okay, but it, that it just has not worked out. And and for Robbie Ashford, I, I love the, so I love some of the things that Robbie Ashford does, but I just don't see him being that SEC caliber thrower. Um, now, athletic-wise, sure, and if they can find a spot for him, uh, I, I, he's not a dude you just want to kick to the curb because of his athleticism. Uh, you need to find a spot for him. I'm just not sure that quarterback is where he needs to be. So – Sure, the quarterbacks are not going to be where they need to be right now, but neither should everybody else. Uh, like I said, just from from learning a new system and learning new philosophies and coaching techniques and different things like that. So we'll see. But that, that's part of why you get through this spring with a new coaching staff is to get everybody acclimated to what this new staff wants to do. Right. You're doing a lot of install and a lot of review on the very basic stuff in your offense right now. So Let's head back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Up next, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Steve, how are you? Doing much better, guys. Now that it's Monday, uh, let's see, it's you, Brent, and uh, Tom. Who else? That's hey, it. That's it. Just a two-man booth today. Okay, so it's the dynamic duo then. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. Well, in Auburn sports, guys, you know, it's come to be where Auburn giveth and Auburn taketh away. Yep. How do you lose a game, you know, when you're winning 41 to 31? In fact, I really didn't give as much of a chance, but at the half, I was watching them play. I said, "Darn, uh, we may actually do this thing." You yeah, know, Auburn. If, uh, Auburn if played Terry their. Dickinson, go ahead. Go ahead. Auburn played their okay. best half of basketball in the first half and played a very, very poor half of basketball in the second half. Maybe their worst of the season. Certainly their worst it, it was, on the it offensive was the worst. end. It was, according to everything I've read. It was the worst fiscal uh, uh, second half of the season, uh, beat none, bar none. Uh, it was like a tale, like you said, a tale of two halves. Uh, guys, I just, I'd like a, I mean, I've read comments from the players, uh, Bruce Pearl's comments. I don't really understand, though, how did this team play as well as they did, both offensively and defensively in the first half, and yet, and, and, and made uh, Oklahoma, I mean, it made Houston look like, you know, they were chopped liver. And then in the second half, it was like, we were chopped liver. What, th- what explains, guys, that, that kind of turnaround? I mean, and, and, and of course, let's flip perspective. That score, if you didn't know, you know, if you didn't watch the game, you thought, well, man, they, they just got their brains bashed. But that core is not reflected that that's the final score, and it's deceiving, misleading, because we were only down by one point 
with about seven and a half minutes left in the game. And then we were down by three points with about, what, three and a half to four minutes left in the game. So that blowout score, to me, was really misleading. But, again, you know, a three-point lead by them with about four minutes left in the game turned out to be just, you know, looking like a, your, your brains are bashed in. So what, what guys, what's the reason for why the outcome became what it was? Uh, I mean, the reason that I point out, and I, I talked about it throughout the show, is that this team all season long has been inconsistent, um, and, and the inconsistency showed. But it, but ultimately, in the second half of that game, Auburn just couldn't shoot the ball. Uh, uh, they you know they they went four for twenty four from the field. So I mean, Auburn had four buckets in the entire second half. Um, outside of outside of free throws, huh? Tom. Yeah. How about that we put in jeopardy their best players, Sasser and who's the other gentleman? They had four fouls. They sat on the bench for about ten minutes. Sure. Well, I mean, and we still couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Houston is also a a a one seed team for a reason. I mean, they're very very good. They're very deep. They have their main players, but they are also loaded throughout, and so they can hurt you in a lot of different ways. So, you know, it's not like Auburn got beat by a very bad team. I mean, Houston is is a one seed for a no, reason. I understand that, but how do we hold them? So, I mean, we hold, we held them thirty one points in the first half, and yet they scored fifty in the second half. They, uh, they I mean, played a lot better. They played yeah. a lot better. It's not know, all on Auburn. They they, did, they played significantly why? better That's in the second half. That's what I'm asking half. for, guys. What explains how they played so damn much better in the second half? Well, Steve, if you can ever figure it out, you'll be the greatest basketball coach of all time. Because yeah. people, people have been asking, how do we get cons- the best all the time out of players for forever? Yeah. And, and no one's figured it yeah. out. Yet. I mean, Steve, how, 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 did, how did Auburn play so well against Alabama and Tuscaloosa? They led by 17 points and then ended up blowing it. Well, that was on the road. Of course, uh, and you know uh, they've got all these four four-star NBA players playing. But what I'm saying is, you know, we were within seven minutes. We were only behind by one point, guys. And then with four minutes left in the game, we were down by only three. That, so we were in the bas- game. It wasn't like you know, hey. Steve it is Jones, very, very easy point. to score quickly in basketball. Ten points is absolutely nothing in yeah. the sport of basketball. And let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, pardon the pun. But you miss seventeen damn points at the free throw line. Yeah, well, and the majority of that was Janai Broom, and we lost by seventeen. Yeah, the the majority of that was by Janai Broom. Just had a a terrible game at the free throw line. He went six of sixteen. He missed ten himself, and. Yeah. And and the thing is, Houston realized that the, that he couldn't shoot, and so they were going to foul they him. They, you, you damn right, you foul him. You don't let him score. Yeah. You put him on the line and make this? him beat you from there, and he can't. How about this though? What explains this? The free throw by Houston in the first half was nothing to write home about. Yet in the second half, they were eighteen for eighteen. Yeah, they, Houston went unconscious offensively in the yeah. second half. That's a, that's another big part of it. Armored couldn't stay in front of them and. When they fouled, Houston didn't miss from the line. Well, I mean, I just don't understand because I, I, I heard uh, Wendell Green's comments that, you know, they outdid this, they did this. But, but if they couldn't do it in the first half, then what, what was it that they decided, oh, we're going to do this better, or we're going to do – and they did it better, and we couldn't do it. We couldn't match their, uh, their, their adjustments. But that's, what, that's what perplexed me because I was waiting for Bruce Pearl to say, okay, guys, Let's put a stop to his little guy, and I didn't see that those kind of timeouts being called for that, or did I overlook that? Steve, yeah. again, if if you can figure yeah. out a way to get the same level of effort and energy and execution from a from an eighteen year old, 
every second of every game, you'll be the greatest yeah. coach of all time. And, and, and Stephen, here's the thing: you, you can flip this around. You can flip this around on Houston. If as a Houston fan, if we were doing a Houston basketball call-in show, we could be sitting here right now and going, "Why did Houston let Auburn get ahead of them by ten points? We were one of the best teams in the country, and how did we let Auburn get ahead of us by ten points?" Well, I mean, there's not really a, a cut and dry, black and white reason for why. I mean, that's just the way basketball games go. Um, Auburn all season has been very inconsistent, and and you saw that against Houston. Uh, Houston came out in the second half. You know, maybe Houston was overlooking Auburn in the first half. I don't buy that because I mean they're playing at basically a home crowd in Birmingham. But it's the round of thirty-two. You're it, past overlooking people, you're right? I and so, well, I mean, you say that, but I mean, Auburn says themselves they felt like they overlooked Miami last year and that's fair. Got beat. That's fair. Um, but uh, you know, I, you know, I, I just don't play basketball obviously that well to, to even make a comment. But I'm just thinking, hey, if what you were doing on offense and defense was working so well for you the first half, then what in the world happened that you weren't able to execute that in the second half? Was was the other team that much better in the second half than you were? Yes, very clearly. Yes. I'll I'll tell you this. To the tune of more than doubling you up in the scoreboard, 50-23 to in the second half. Houston, the one thing Houston did, Houston got a lot more aggressive defensively. Now, they were being aggressive-ish in the first half. But the second half, they they really turned up the aggressiveness, and I, and I and again, once you realize that Janai Broom could not hit the broadside of a barn from the free throw line, you foul him, you put him on the line. We were going and, to the bonus, we were going to, to the bonus line with about what maybe ten minutes left of the game. Yeah, sure. Something well, like, like I said, you if if you have a guy that if you have a, if Auburn puts a guy on the floor that is truly a liability at the free throw line, then the other team you foul him. You do not let him score. If you have to tackle that man and keep him from scoring, then you do that. You put him on the line and make him beat you there. And obviously, he couldn't. He just could not shoot a free throw to save his life. Well, even some of our other players were only making 50% of their shots. Katie Johnson. Uh, I mean, Alan most Flanagan. of them in line. I mean, all right, well, look now. Most Alan, of them in, Alan Flanagan went four of five. Yeah. Katie Johnson okay. went five of seven. Three. Uh, Jalen Williams went three for four. Zepp Jasper was one for two. Flanagan four for five. Katie five for seven. Uh, now Trey Donaldson went zero oh for two. So he he, he barely hit net on the front end of yeah. one of his. So. Yeah, it was just it, it was sad. And then you know I say well you know wait a minute you know maybe obviously I think we've been spoiled uh, with Coach Pearl because when I was growing up as a, in college you know and later on as a young adult. I I didn't even expect us to go to the to, to the uh, uh, to the NCAA tournament. You know, if we went to the IT, we were doing good. It was not a big deal that we didn't make it to the tournament. Now, it's upsetting that we get bounced out of the first round. So I guess that really, in perspective, is an improvement. One hundred percent. Bruce Pearl has raised the floor astronomically yeah. of Auburn basketball. Yeah, expectations expectations are at a huge high around here. Um, and especially when Auburn plays in Neville Arena, when when Auburn lost to Texas A and M in front of a home crowd, that was stunning, because this team just doesn't lose at home, and that's the expectations that Bruce Pearl has built is that when you're at home in Neville Arena, you don't lose. And Auburn had not been losing; they had one, they had the longest win streak in the nation until they got beat by A and M, and so that's the expectations. The expectations are this team is going to go to the NCAA tournament, and then you'll kind of see how it falls there. But that is your expectation. The, the, as a program, 
You are not wondering if you're going to make the tournament. You're, by God, making the tournament, and that's the expectation. How, how high a seed are you? Yeah. Right. It, that's, the, that's the big thing is how, how high of a seed and what kind of a draw you're going to get. Um, so, yeah, expectations are high. And so when you see a team play as poorly as Auburn did in the second half against Houston, yeah, it's disappointing. But it's just not as simple and cut and dry, black and white, however you want to look at it, of, of answering why. There's numerous reasons why. I mean, Houston played more aggressively. And in that second half, Auburn just could not buy a basket, whether it be contested, whether it be uncontested. The ball just would not go in the daggum hoop. And that's, uh, you know, that's what caused what you saw to happen in the second half. Well, I did some math, guys, and so did some other people. And it, it, from the stats that I did, if we had shot 73% of the free throws, we probably would have won the game. Sure. I, I mean, I, I think that I think you can say that safely. Okay, um, you know it doesn't help, unfortunately, as an Auburn fan, that the other side is doing as well as they're doing, and they have probably one of the easiest paths as a number one seed to make it to the Final Four. Uh, unlike us, we had to beat who? North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky. Yeah, a lot of that upsets. A lot path. of upsets have taken place in that uh, in that South bracket. And uh, I, I, I'm with you. I think Alabama's pretty clear through to the Final Four at this point. I mean, who do they have to contend with, Princeton or Creighton? Creighton's a pretty good basketball school, but they are a sixth seed this year. That's not a, it's not the toughest path. But credit to those teams, they beat the higher seeds. So would you rather go against the higher seed or the team that beat the higher seed? Well, right now, uh, I think we probably would have been in better shape if we had played Purdue. Yeah, uh, look, Purdue... I mean, it's so weird. Ryan and I were talking about this on Friday's show. We had questions about how far a team led by a big could go, but I certainly thought they'd make it out of the first round. Uh, but alas, Fairleigh Dickinson. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. Um, this is why I no longer bet on sports. Did you happen to see the game between Gonzaga and TCU at the very end? I I did, that, and uh, I was going to get to that later on in the show, but yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, but Scott Van Pelt. Well, some people, if you were on the Gonzaga side, would said that was a bad beat. If you were on the TCU side, I said no, they were winning most of the most of the game. Rightly so, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, but you know, with 0.7 seconds, you watch it, I watch it, yep. a lot of people watch it, uh, it was a six-point win. Yeah, cover that means that I mean that means that Gonzaga, if you're the better, you won because they were four and a half point favored, or maybe even five and a half point favored. I think it may, may have gone up at times. Four and, and four and a half. 0.7 seconds, guys. This guy was way beyond the arc, maybe almost at half court when I replayed it, and just throws it up. Now, did he really have? Uh, I mean, at zero point seven, you can have enough time to put it in your hands and throw it. Sure. Well, he what he did is, if you noticed, well, he was rolling it. He rolled it all the way down the court, and the, so the clock. And nobody tried to get in front of him. Well, no, because the game, yeah, the game was over. Gonzaga. So why did get, he do that, guys? Because he was just playing to the buzzer and and wanted to throw up a last second shot, and well, Gonzaga was not going to defend him because the, the game was over. Was? Did he know what the line was, guys? No, Steve. I, no, no, it's it, not. It's it. not a conspiracy. Uh, it's a kid. Okay. It's a kid playing to the whistle, like your coach to do. Um, he, he, well, I mean, I've seen a lot of teams this halftime. They just dribble into the game's over. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't want to. He he knew the game was over, but by God, he was going to throw up an, a, a shot at the buzzer, and 
you know, I, if anything, I think he may have been trying to pad his own stats. It, it, you know, I, I'm going to try to get a three so that I can. I'm going to hit a buzzer beating three in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, okay. But uh, but no, it covered, but yeah, it was a backdoor cover. the The spread was four four and a half. And these, these kids do not care about betting lines. No, ninety nine percent of them. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, you know, I can understand if that was a a shot to attempt to maybe to, to win the game, but the game is already determined. All right, so we'll leave that one alone. And let's go to the Bush League. Really, what I call just arrogant piece of crap uh, uh, dunk shot that was taken by FAU against uh, Fairleigh Dickinson at the end of the game. You remember what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah was, the game was over. It was really lame. It was made lamer by the fact that he missed. That the dunk. he missed it. Yeah. Yeah. What? Well, what would have somebody do that kind of crap? I mean, the game is over. You won the game. Well, why are you doing this? Be, being cocky and just trying to throw a highlight reel out Cele- there. Celebrating a win, yeah. I, I don't think – I'm not exactly heartbroken over it. I think it's funny that he missed the dunk, though. But I thought it was uh, totally, you know, low, low class. Well, it was, and, and, and it looked. It appeared that his coach was apologizing uh, yeah, really, to, to uh, FDU's coach. It looked like he was apologizing to him about it. Yeah, yeah, I chew him out for that. Well, he uh, probably he's probably going to get his butt chewed out in the locker room because yeah, that that was bush league. And again, I agree, it's funnier that he missed it. That was just a kid being you know cocky and trying to throw down some highlight reel something when his game was didn't matter. And you know that's running up the score. It's like football running up the score. There wasn't any need for that, and I'm glad he missed it. All right, sticking with our basketball team, guys. Who you put your money on is going to stay or leave between these two guys? Jalen Williams and Flanagan. I think it is more likely that Alan Flanagan leaves than Jalen Williams. I would take both of them back, me personally, but I'm not in charge of roster decisions, so I have no idea. Um, And it's also what those kids want to do. Like I said this earlier, I think Alan Flanagan could get a shot on a G League roster somewhere. I think he has a chance to be a day two draft guy. I don't know. I I think Jalen Williams could come back and really increase his stock. I think Flanagan is as high as he's going to get. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if either of them comes back. They could both come back. They could both leave. Well, uh, I mean, if you had to put any money on it, I'd, I'd love, I'd love prefer, I'd prefer to see Jay Williams to come back. I wouldn't be so heartbroken if Flanagan left. I think they're both pretty darn good players, personally. But I, I'm, you know, I, I'm not placing money on anybody. I don't gamble at all, not just on college athletics. I don't do it at all. So I'm not placing any money on it. So I, I just... I don't know. I, okay. I I would take both of them back. I think Bruce would take both of them back. It's all about what those kids want to do. Yeah, I know. I read his comments earlier. He said he, he wanted them both to return. All right, so moving on, guys, about uh, Auburn sports. What? <laughs> I mean, you know, this was, to me, just, uh, I mean, there have been uh, losses, but these are beatdowns, both by from the softball team and the, uh, the, the baseball team. Uh, I mean, is... Is Arkansas baseball that darn good? Yes. Arkansas baseball is pretty darn good. Uh, they're, they're, but they are not as good as Oklahoma is at softball. Oklahoma is. I mean, can anybody beat them? Because they've been. I mean, they've just been beating people's brains out. Well, they've already been beat a couple times this year. I, th- I think they're like eighteen and two, something weird. Like I think they have two losses this year. But really, who beat them? Th- I have no idea. I have not looked at their schedule, but. They are darn good. They are the odds-on favorite to repeat as national championship champions, and I, I would not bet against them. Well, where do they get these players from those softball teams? Well, I don't know. Uh, the South, the from Southwest. All, from all over. Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's kids who transfer in from UCLA to go to Oklahoma or some school on the West Coast you've never heard of to play softball at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the gold standard 
of softball. So they're the Alabama football, huh? They are better football. at they are better at softball than Alabama is at football. Wow. Okay. So why even Bob? Just just go ahead and give them the the, the trophy. Because they're because you they're human and they can mess up and that's why you play the games. If if yeah, every game if every game went the way it was expected to go, there would be no point in ha- in playing sports. I agree. I'm just saying, you know, if they're that good, you know, you know, what 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 are the odds of someone really giving them a challenge? Uh, same thing I'll say for South Carolina women's basketball team. Is anyone there going to be legitimately able to compete with them? I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, 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 Caitlin uh, Clark at uh, what, where is Caitlin Clark? Iowa. That girl at Iowa. She's she's a difference maker. I would love to see her get an opportunity, and I, it looks like yeah. she might. But I I, 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 I think I think LSU is about the only team with uh, with the new coach there. Is I mean, they, she's done. They, a, they beat him by fourteen in the right, SEC championship. Yeah. So I mean, even they're not to that Don Staley uh, South Carolina level. So maybe more than that. You know, Don Staley in South Carolina have kind of done what doing that guys. What's they've been up? doing it for two, three years in a row. How they've been getting these kind of players in South Carolina in, uh, in, in women's basketball, but not in men's. Because they've won they win. in women's basketball. Yeah, win, winning, winning. Don, Don Staley makes more than, uh, than Shane Beamer. Like, that's how good she that. is. That's the kind yeah. of reputation she has. Yeah, I mean, when, okay. it's, it, it, Steve, it's the same reason you, you could sit there and go, well, why, why does Georgia and Alabama keep getting all these five stars? Well, because they're championship caliber. If they, you're one they've of the, proven they can win. Right, if you're one of the best players in the country, that's where you want to go because that you know you want to go and join that. As a, if you're a female collegiate batter, if you're a female high school basketball player, just like everybody used to want to go play for Gino Ariyama at, at, at UConn, and in Pat Summit's days, every female wanted to go and play for Pat Summit. Well, Dawn Staley has become that. And so she is going to get the best of the best because that reputation is you come here, play under Don Staley, and win a national title, and that, and that's where you go. Going to have to get to a break here in a second, Steve. Okay, last, last comments for How us. How concerned should we be about our baseball team? Concerned. Until, right. they, until they get healthy and get some things figured out, I think you got to be concerned. Um, the – uh, that that was not a good showing at Arkansas, and uh, I, I definitely think there's some uh, areas of concern there for Auburn because the schedule is going to keep getting tougher. You look at all the SEC teams that are ranked right now in the top ten. It's most of them. And it's pretty much everybody. And and I don't think Auburn has uh, loaded up on the talent to compete with those with those teams. So it might be a rough year. On a, on a scale of one to ten, I, on a scale of one to ten, I'm at a six. Oh boy. Okay, so you talking, is this due to our star players three of them not playing? That's a large part of it, yes. Yeah, the, well, the lack of depth. Yeah, the the injury the injuries have hurt, but it's also a very young team. A lot of a lot of young kids that are uh trying to play in in a lot of these teams that they're going up against have a lot of veteran talent. And so it it, it might be a rough one. Uh I and you know, and I think uh I know especially with like LSU they they have recruited and and gone transfer portal on a crazy level because of a the bat company the Mariucci Bat Company have been able to offer a lot of NIL money to some of the top talent to come to LSU. Auburn doesn't have that. I mean they've got the NIL money, but they don't have a Mariucci Bat Company guy sitting there <laughs> giving millions of dollars in NIL money to a baseball player. All right, and finally, guys, I saw Coach Grabber's a 
like I think comments that our uh, gymnastics uh, seating, he said it's going to be a, a tough, tough grind, a tough draw. Is that right? To in order, so they are the Auburn gymnastics is in the West Regional, and in order for them to make the national finals, they're going to have to beat either UCLA or Utah, which are two of the tops in the country. Um, most likely not going to happen just because of the uh, the way that scoring and everything goes. Uh, a lot of times, even when Auburn scores some of their best, if you go just put them head to head against like a UCLA, even Auburn's best may not score as good as mediocre UCLA because that's just kind of how that subjective scoring goes. Well, as uh, Garth is, what was the name that on on, on uh, South Park says, "Screw you guys, I'm going home." <laughs> Eric Carter. Hi guys, thank you for taking my phone calls. Always, I appreciate the time you give me. My time is way up. So until next time, War Eagle guys, have a safe, safe afternoon. All right, War Eagle Steve. War Eagle Steve, that was retired War Dam Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We've got to get to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll talk more about spring football. Sports call on a Monday. to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn Welcome back. Sports Call here on a Monday afternoon. Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy coming to you live. I've got to do some live reads here real quick. If you want, if you missed part of the show and you want to listen to more of it later, the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Sports Call Podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. Please download the app. You get access to all of our stations. And, uh, you know, if Auburn is playing a specific sporting event, you can listen to them on our stations nine times out of ten. Obviously, some things like uh, the NCAA tournament not allowing teams to to uh, stream their broadcasts uh, get in the way of that. But most of the time, you're going to be able to hear our broadcast. Also... All of our sports call callers and guests, join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, to give us a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 Auburn Bank is proud to be the sponsor of the Sports Call phone line let's go right back to that sports call phone line zeus who is it jeff from columbus jeff from columbus joins us now jeff how are you sir good afternoon guys hey how's it going? Uh, my my phone may die but i know that won't be a big disappointment to most of your listeners <laughs> but uh, i just didn't expect to be on hold so long i know you had to go through about 20 minutes of commercial because steve spent 40 minutes asking questions if steve could go one segment i bet you he can't Without saying, how can you explain that, guys? He can't do it. I know he can't. I know it's not possible. And like I say, this conspiracy that the world has against Auburn, it man, it went full, full force this weekend. They got the baseball team got swept. Auburn got beat by one of the top teams in the country. Softball team got swept, 
and it has nothing to do with the player's ability or how they feel. It's because it's it's preconceived, Steve. They are not going to let Auburn do any good. They're not. And I'm telling you, that's the answer, Steve. You do not have to ask, can you explain that? I've explained it to you. Man, rolling the basketball, that's one that got me. They rolled the basketball, and I saw it happen. I haven't seen it since seventh grade basketball, okay? It never dawned on me about a point spread. That is the who, – who thinks like that? Yeah. I guess a, a bookie might. Well, I, yeah. Well, a, a bookie, a bookie was definitely looking at that, but that player wasn't concerned with that. That that player was just yeah. There was point seven on the clock, and and he wanted to score another basket. And, and, okay. And I'm, I mean, maybe he hadn't paid attention to the world. I mean, there's not, there's nothing too outlandish in this world anymore. I mean, dang, I, I I'm not saying it's right. I'm with you, but there's not a lot of class out there, and so an eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kid. Will probably do anything. I didn't even see the play he was talking about with the, the, uh, um, what was it, FAU and stuff like that. Yeah, a guy but tried to dunk. Imagine. Yeah, a guy tried to dunk. They were already up big, and he tried to throw it down a, a 360 spinning windmill dunk that Man, he missed. I'm telling you, I'm with JJ. If I could do it, if I had the opportunity, I'd do it every time I Absol- got the ball. Absolutely, 100. percent yeah, and then, I mean, uh, how are you going to get on Sports Center if you don't do stuff like that? But I just, I mean, I am curious. I really am. And Steve, if you would answer, you don't have to. But what sport has he ever played or organized sport at any time, even from T ball or something like that? It's, you know, sometimes you just don't feel good. Sometimes, you know, you can't hit a home run every time. That's like asking Hank Aaron, why didn't he hit a home run every time? He's a home run king. He still is to me, too, by the way. And uh, But, uh, yeah, well, can you explain to me, guys, why he didn't hit a home run this time? I, I, just, I just don't get it. And I just, had to, I just had to call in and get it off my chest because I've tried to answer this for Steve, I mean, for 15 years now. I've been trying to tell him that the world is against Auburn. But he won't believe me. Maybe this time it'll get through. We'll find out tomorrow. You all have a great. Hey, how'd you like my bracket? I was mathematically eliminated after the round of the round of sixty-four. I mean, it. Golly. I, I haven't. I haven't even looked at all the brackets in the competition yet. I know that mine is is pretty bad, but I do have two of my final four teams still alive. I've got. I have no. I had Purdue in Kansas. I mm. was out the second day. What? What a golly! I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but then again, I'm not a basketball fan. I just. I mean, I like. But I told him. I think I told him on Friday. I go. What? You got some monster locks in this thing. Number ones never lose to sixteen. And I, 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 I drummed up the genie, and there it went. Yeah. So <laughs> it, I knew it was. I knew it was going to be a heartbreaker from this, but it's still fun. Good luck to you all in the tournament, and uh, like I say, I will talk to you all later on this week. All right. all right. Thank you, Jeff. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Jeff Jeff cracks me up. Oh, yeah. No, listen, <laughs> my, 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 bracket, my bracket fell apart big time. Uh, I had Arizona winning – yeah, I had Arizona winning the title. I, I had Houston actually. I had the I I did predict them to beat Auburn in the second yeah. round, but I I have Houston 
And uh, I believe my other Final Four team that's still alive is UCLA. Yep. I, had, uh, I had Arizona beating Kansas for the national title. Obviously, Arizona got knocked out in the very first round, and Kansas got knocked out. So both of my, both of my uh, championship prediction guys are gone. Um, I had the the rest of that bracket. I mean, who cares now? Both of my both of my uh, finalists are gone. So yeah, I mean, it was poof. This is probably one of the worst brackets I've ever filled out. Yeah, I it was, this it was is like really bad. My second or third ever. Like I've never filled out a bracket before I started working here. Right. Uh, but yeah, I had Virginia in the final four, and they lost to Furman in the round of sixty four. So yeah, I, I was later told that Virginia was not a good pick to make the final four, as their style of basketball is not very fun. Right. Uh, but I didn't they struggle know that. on offense really yeah. bad. Yeah, which <laughs> kind of become a theme. Yeah, but yeah, I but my bracket's not the only one busted just but. Because yeah, of the well, amount of upsets that have happened this tournament, this tournament yeah. has been wild. And and I'll say this though, it, it this goes along with what I uh, we talked about uh, here on the show uh, with this NCAA tournament before the tournament got going. And the one thing that we talked about is that we didn't really know which way this tournament may go because there's not just that one dominant force team out there yeah. or even really two that you just look at and it's like those two are it i mean they they are just it and, and as much as i hate to say it if you, alabama may be the closest to that now their path is even easier to the final to the final four just because of the upsets in front of them but that was the thing is this this bracket was just going to be so unpredictable because it could go any of a number of ways and goodness gracious has it ever uh, where, i mean with the, just the 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 amount of just massive upsets that have happened in this one where where do you stand as well, let's talk about this with about six minutes left in the hour and hour number three we'll get back to our, our spring football talk where do you stand on the whole the ncaa tournament is not a good way to determine a champion thing oh i think that's i know that's bs i i think the tournament's a great way to determine it um and, and sure things happen um is Purdue still, you know, could Purdue could Purdue beat Alabama head to head? I don't know, maybe. But Purdue didn't do what they needed to do to get there to yeah. try to find out. How how are you going to beat Alabama if you can't beat a team called Farley Dickinson yeah. or Dickerson, whatever it is? Yeah. So, no, I think I think the tournament is you you put you put the best teams all out there, let them all go head to head, and see how it washes out. Um, I, because I don't it, think it's a be, I don't think it's the best way to determine who the best teams well, no, are. No, but I think that's what makes it so fun. It's such it's a sixty four team crapshoot. Sure, and you've got te- you got teams that very obviously should win, like Purdue, and teams that you very obviously lose that you've never heard of, like Farley right. Dickerson. But then occasionally you get stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, like uh, who was it? Uh, who who did Virginia lose to in the round of sixty four a couple of years when they were a one seed? Oh, uh, the, others, ba- the, uh, the uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC. Yeah, that's just it just insane. Schools you've never heard of. Last year it was St. Peter's. Yep. They were they were a fifteen. Mercer beat two, Mercer but, beat Duke. Yep, one I year. remember that. I, rem- um, I was in high school. I grew up thirty minutes south of Macon, Georgia. Yeah. I, very 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 cool that that happened. Yeah um is it so no is it the best way no but i mean i think uh or i'm I'm sorry is it the way to determine the best team Mm, maybe not but you know it's by far the most fun well sure well you look at football and now we've got a playoff there but now but you know you're trying to expand that because even with you get four teams and you still have a fifth and a sixth going waving their hands going hey we can compete with them Mm -hmm. but you know you'll never know well in this okay you know 
Will we ever know if if Purdue could actually handle Alabama? Well, you know, they didn't take care of business, so don't know. Head-to-head, it might have been interesting to see, but, you know, you're not going to know that. And you have to determine that in a tournament setting like that because otherwise you just award it like they used to do way back in the day in in football. You know, the, the basketball has been the tournament, but, you know, like in football, you know, they would award a national title to the media yeah. and everybody would award the national title to who they just felt was the yeah. best team. And in that case, and that's why a lot of people pick on Alabama, is, you know, they, they claim these national titles where the media crowned them national champions and they turned around and lost the bowl game. Yeah, the the Montgomery Advertiser handed them the national championship right. and, and actually everybody else said that Notre Dame was. But yeah. they still claim the Montgomery Advertiser national championship. There's a couple of those, and we don't have to get into that. It's not the right time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to start a firestorm on Auburn, this show. Hey, well, not today. Well, to be fair, Auburn 2004 got the People's National Championship. Yeah, but that team actually won every game they played. True. And they played like a full schedule and not four games. Yeah. Well, they and, also, they we, also be, we, Again, we can go back as far uh, as we want to talk about Alabama's however uh, many national titles that they claim. The, but it, but in 04, the, the one thing against Auburn in that 04 was they played the Citadel. And they're like, oh, if you had not played the Citadel, then you might have played like, in the well, SEC. Yeah, you well, did. Yeah. LSU won the national title the year before. Yeah. So, you know, it's that whole thing. The other thing with that was like obviously USC and Oklahoma started the year ranked one and two and just did not lose. And didn't lose. Yeah. So it's it's tough to overcome that. Uh, so about two and a half minutes left here. So I, I again, I've seen it, it, there's been discourse started on, on the Twitter machine about how good the NCAA tournament actually is or like whether it's the best way to actually determine a champion and but how sh- else sh- are you going to that's the thing how yeah. else are you going to determine a champion yeah, and, and and who cares it's yeah. so much more fun to see Farley Dickinson beat Purdue a, the team that won the Big 10 yeah than it is to see just the top 10 teams all play. We're just going to give it to Purdue yeah. because they're good. Yeah, I, I it's so much more fun to see these 16 se- or even more common like the 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 710s the the 512s these teams that probably aren't going to make the national title game but they're here and they're putting on a show and dang it it's fun to watch i i push back on the people that say we don't need a 12 team college football playoff because 12 can't compete with one well nine times out of ten probably not but are you going to say more to are you going to say no to more impactful football games I want as much good football as possible. Right. And if one can beat 12, fine. But can seven compete with four or five or however they structure it? I'm not 100% sure. I don't have the math in front of me and I'm not going to do it in my head. But those games that the team that is not going to win the national title is still playing for a chance to continue, to play in a game that matters. Right. These kids will play above their head in those moments they will play better than the sum of their parts and i think that's a lot of fun to watch i don't think when watching auburn and iowa i didn't think either of those teams were going to win the national title no but i still watched that game because it was fun and so did uh, like millions of other people sure and here's the other thing if you hate the ncaa tournament it's not going anywhere because the ncaa makes a billion dollars from it every march so regardless of whether you think it's a good idea or not it ain't going anywhere. Well, well, here, well here's you another prime example for the That's tournament. not hyperbole, by the way. Right. They make $1 billion every March. Yeah. Farley Dickinson versus Florida Atlantic. 
that that is that is not a game in any other realm of imagination that anybody would go out of their way to watch if mm-hmm. that was just just those two playing a ra- random regular season game. Right. No one cares. And it's not even going to be on TV. That's not one of those ESPNs going to pick up. That's one of the, that's, you. That's on your pluses. You you'll find it on the pluses exactly. Um, but by God, when those two were just playing each other in the NCAA tournament, that was fun basketball. Those two teams were just up and down the floor. That was exciting. That was exciting basketball. And because there was so much on the line, you will actually watch Florida Atlantic play against Farley Dickinson. <laughs> And be excited about it. Was it. Awesome. it was, it a, was awesome. It was awesome. It was an awesome game with a lot on the line. It was an exciting form of basketball. And you are truly entertained. But you're not going to watch those two teams playing in Teaneck, New Jersey. <laughs> in, in a high school. In what amounts to a, a high school gym at Farley Dickinson. You're not going to watch that on TV. But the by N- God, you'll watch that in the NCAA tournament. The NCAA tournament's awesome. And, and please change nothing. Uh, that will do it for hour number two. In hour number three, we've got our best and worst of the weekend, the nightly TV guide, more spring football talk, and uh, we'll also touch on the women's basketball team heading to Clemson for the second round of the NIT. Brand Daughtry and Tom Peavy coming to you live from South College Street on a Monday edition of Sports Call. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call set to get underway here. I I faded that out really fast. It's kind of just gone. Anyway, Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy coming to you live from our Tiger 95.9 studio here in the Tiger Communications radio building thing. We promised you some stuff. Uh, for the at the end of the second hour, but we're going to derail that for just a second. A bit of Braves news broke during that uh, second hour break, um, and it's not good. It's not ideal. Both <laughs> okay. So if you haven't seen it, both Vaughn Grissom and Braden Shoemake have been optioned to AAA Gwinnett, implying that neither of them will be the Braves' opening day shortstop. It looks like right now. The answer will be Orlando Arcia, who is a known commodity and is not quite up to snuff, I wouldn't say. Uh, not Nothing against Orlando, but he's just not quite the all-star shortstop that we all thought the Braves would be putting there. I, I expected it to be Vaughn Grissom, but it does not look like it will be that way, Tom. Yeah, and, and that's concerning because uh, you lose Dansby Swanson, and that was the biggest thing is who was going to replace Dansby Swanson over there at short. And, yeah, I think most people thought that Vaughn Grissom was going to be the guy. But, yeah, optioned over to uh, AAA Gwinnett along with uh, Shoemake. And so, yeah, it looks like Orlando is going to be the guy, you would assume, starting at shortstop. And that is not ideal. No. Um, Hopefully that's just temporary. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Hopefully uh, Vaughn Grissom, whatever they need Vaughn Grissom to get figured out, he gets figured out and and in a hurry because I, I nothing again nothing against Orlando Arcia, I think he's a very solid bench player, but he's a but bench, he's just said he's, he's a bench, he's a bench player. player. 
He's a right. he's a utility guy. You bring him in in pinch hitting situations, or if you need to give your guy a break and you're going up against a lefty, you know that kind of thing. Um, I think he's right-handed. Anyway, Orlando Arcia as your starting shortstop is not what I had in my bingo card. So Dansby Swanson going to the Chicago Cubs. Von Grissom appeared to be the heir apparent, but it appears that the Braves are going to start somewhere different. Now, let's move along to more Auburn stuff. Auburn women's basketball uh, hosted Tulane in the first round of the WNIT and won that one 73-58. It looks like a big game from... Excuse me. Hold on. Let me find my spot here. Carissa Richardson and Aisha Koulibaly and Sydney Shaw, kind of Auburn's, uh, not not Auburn's big three, but three names that you hear a lot when talking about this Auburn women's basketball team. It seems like they performed pretty well. Uh, and, and just, you know, Auburn was hosting the first round. They were expected to win. That's how the NIT works. Uh, and so... Auburn coming away with a win in the first round, and now they travel up to South Carolina to play Clemson. Yeah. Uh, honesty, Scott, honesty, Scott Grayson, 18 points um, yeah. to lead Auburn. Uh, solid game, three for four from three and uh, three for three from the free throw line. Uh, maybe she needs to uh, teach the men how to shoot free throws. <laughs> um, yeah, no, a, a good a, a good win over Tulane, 73-58 to at Neville Arena to uh, keep their season going. Uh <laughs> You you mentioned uh, you mentioned your bingo card. I, I don't think many folks would have figured that the Auburn women would still be playing basketball while the men are done at, at the beginning of the year. So, uh, but the women are granted it's in the WNIT, but um, yeah, I mean they're they're getting it done. They had uh, uh, four four ladies in double figures. Uh, yeah, Carissa Richardson with sixteen points. Um, Aisha Koulibaly with eleven. Sydney Shaw with fifteen, and then honesty Scott Grayson with eighteen. Uh, just a, a a thorough performance from Auburn. Um, they they just they they beat Tulane. They they held them in check. The only quarter that Tulane outscored them was the third. Tulane outscored Auburn sixteen to eleven. But uh, Auburn led twenty one to eleven after the first. Um, yeah, and so they just they they kept it on them and good for them. But now you got to move on to uh, to Clemson. Yeah, and try and to take care of business on the road. It's so interesting, Auburn women's basketball, because two years ago, the final year of Coach Flo, they did not win a conference game. Right. And then last year, the first year of Johnny Harris, they won one, two conference games. This year, they were closer mm-hmm. to 500 in the conference. There's been steady growth, and now, the, and then they got to host an NIT game. Now, obviously, the goal is not the NIT. It's the NCAA tournament, but right. there's been steady growth, and I think it's... It's been fun to watch as this team just gets better and better year in and year out. And I, I think that maybe not next year, but the year after, I, I don't know. Coach Flo, excuse me, Coach Jay knows how to win, and uh, she did a lot of it when she was an assistant at Mississippi State. Yeah. And I think that watching Auburn women's basketball get better under her is going to continue. Yeah, they, they're going to uh, they're going to continue getting better. They're they're going to have to. Uh, you know, definitely get that recruiting going in, in a big way. Uh, if you're going to compete with the elites, because right now, uh, you know, unlike, unlike men's basketball, where there is uh, so many teams that that can do good and do different things in, in the women's game, right now you have your couple of elite teams that yeah. very few people are going to beat. Your South Carolinas, your Indian, or not your Indianas, but uh, your LSU's and. UConn is still you, you, really good. UConn is still really good. Now, I will say this. 
Stanford was also good, yeah. but Ole Miss knocked them off That's yesterday. True. So, uh, you know, an SEC team, uh, another up-and-coming SEC team knocks off a number one seed Stanford. So it can be done, but uh, you, you've got to get the players in place. You've got to get that philosophy in place and, um, you know, whatever else it takes, you know, the, the NIL money and different things like that. Got to start recruiting on a, on a big-time national level uh, and, and get those ladies in here that can start competing with the LSUs and with the South Carolinas, uh, if you do have to play UConn to compete with with the Yukons of the world, but you know, right now, uh, you know, South Carolina is, is the team to beat with Don Staley leading that group, and now LSU uh, turning into a, a, a national force uh, with their new coach. So, uh, so far, so good for Auburn, and uh, we'll see if they can keep it going against Clemson. Absolutely. Let's head back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Next up, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joins us now. Matt, how are you? Uh, how you guys doing? Doing We're great. Doing all right. So, let me guess. It's Brent, Tom. Yep. That's it. Cam. Just just two guys today, Brent and Tom. Cam owes us $300. <laughs> oh, he does? Man. All right. I'll, I'll be sure to let him know when I next see him. I was going to say, it's getting expensive. Yeah. So, hey, I got a question for you guys. You guys can answer those two questions. What do you think about, like, uh, Kyle Perry saying, like, you think he'll be at Kentucky? And what do you think about the players that are, are transferring and one of the players staying for Kentucky? I have no idea of, of anything about Kentucky's roster. I don't know anything about their roster. The, the Calipari situation is interesting. I know a lot of that fan base is tired of – losing in the NCAA tournament before they think they should. They uh, A lot of the fan base is starting to turn on Calipari. Uh, I, I don't know if Kentucky's going to get rid of him, but I know that the outcry of the fan base is getting louder. And what do you got? And so, Tom, what do you think about it? I, I, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, they they have, uh, they have underperformed big time considering the talent that they bring in over there. You know, I I don't know exactly what's going to happen with their with their players and which way they go and things like that. But uh, the fans at Kentucky are definitely not happy with the uh, direction that that program's going at the moment. Well, I, 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 I just came. I don't know if you guys heard of a pharmacy called Bubba's Pharmacy here in Opelika. Yeah, Bubba's Pharmacy. Yeah, and like they said, like a, a guy in there says, like, like Kentucky's getting five new five new players. But I don't know who they're getting from. But another question I got: What do you think about like uh, Rick Pitino coaching in basketball again? Uh, Pitino, where is he coach? Is it? He's I, at I, Saint I John. He was at Iona. He's now at Saint John's. Okay. He's been hired at Saint John's. So I mean, I could, I could see I could see somebody picking him up again. And, and that's the thing with Kentucky, uh, just the way that they are. If if things don't work out with Calipari, they're they're probably going to get a big name guy in there. Well, I hope they don't get Bruce Pearl. Nah, they, I, I don't think they're. I don't think Auburn's going to let Bruce Pearl go. Yeah, and I don't. And honestly, I don't think Kentucky. I think Kentucky would shoot bigger than even Bruce Pearl. Well, do you guys? Like, I don't know if I asked you guys to do it before. Say that Bruce Pearl. I know. I know he's had a birthday Friday, and but I'm just saying, like, if say Bruce Pearl retires, once Steve Pearl, you think Steve Pearl will make a good uh, head coach for Auburn basketball? I, I don't know it when Bruce Pearl's going to retire. He is in the second year of an eight-year contract, so I don't think it'll be anytime soon. Uh, but it does appear that Steven is the heir apparent. Um, I, and 
We, we Now, that hasn't been said anywhere. That hasn't been reported. And obviously, Auburn has to agree to it. Uh, but I, I think that Steven would be a good coach uh, just from the way the players talk about him and the way he's acted on the sidelines and the fact that you did have two games with him as the acting head coach a couple of years ago. Uh, I think you've. I think. Excuse me. I think that Stephen Pearl uh, would be a, a solid successor to Bruce uh, whenever Bruce decides to move on, if that's the direction Auburn decides to go. So, what are you guys doing about the recruits for football? I saw that a whole bunch of the recruits are coming for next year, like an offensive line and a quarterback and. Right. I, I don't know any names, but Auburn is doing a really good job of getting a lot of guys in house right now the, on official visits over the spring. And uh, I think that Auburn will get some of them and they will miss on some of them because that's how football recruiting goes. But I, uh, I, I like that Auburn is getting these talented guys in the door. Hey, hey, one last question for you guys. You know, I'm not going to do the chair because I'm outside, but I talked to Abby and I think uh, I asked Abby, would me and him make a good referee? <laughs> and went, do you think me and, and do you think me and Abby make a good SEC referee, or you think Charles Barkley would make a good referee? I think that would be the most entertaining <laughs> basketball crew of all time: Matt, Abby, and Charles Barkley. I I would love to see it. <laughs> well, and stuff that, but like usually, like uh, the event staff people had not been very nice to me. Lately, at oh, the yeah, because yeah, like we we go down where you could like the scholarship, like uh, where the, the shuttle bus drops you off. Right. I I usually I just said, "Can I go to the bathroom?" They said, "Like no, you have to have a wristband." And they had to get like two of the same Auburn police officers come and and they said that I can't go down there because I have a wristband. I said, I want to go down there and use the bathroom and call them. They said, no, I can't do that. I said, like, well, Bruce Pearl knows me very well. He, and he says, if I have a problem, that they can talk to Bruce Pearl. They get the same two police officers, and they said, like, uh, that I can't go down there and use that bathroom. And yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'm sorry you had to go through that, man. But I told him, like, Bruce Pearl, like, I said, like, Bruce Pearl says if I have a problem, they can go talk to Bruce Pearl, and Bruce Pearl come and talk to me about it, but they, they really don't care about that. Yeah, I, I bet I bet before a game, Bruce is pretty busy, and they didn't want to bother him. Yeah, so, hey, so does Auburn play this week in baseball? I am not sure. I would guess, I would think so. I, I mean, they're in the middle of SEC play now. I, uh... I've not had a chance to look at the schedule. I guess Tom is looking that up now. But once you get into the middle of the, once you get into the meat of the conference schedule, it's you're playing at least one series a week. Yep. So, hey, hey Tom, does Auburn softball play this week? Uh, I, I yeah, Auburn I don't softball does play this yeah. week. I can't remember who they're playing, but they're playing a Saturday, Sunday, and Monday yeah. game uh, series. So, uh, at, I, at Auburn. Uh, I don't know yeah. where it is. I think it's at Auburn, but again, I'm, I would have to check. So, so with baseball, uh, baseball plays South Alabama Tuesday over in Montgomery at Riverwalk Stadium. So okay. you've got that one Tuesday, and then uh, they host Georgia here for a three-game series um, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday against what's Georgia. The, what's the weather supposed to be like for Thursday night? Do you guys know? Is this, is this supposed to warm up? You it, know? it is supposed to warm up by Thursday, I, and I don't know about weather, but uh, or the rain. I do know it's supposed to warm up. Okay. So uh, soft, I, uh, to answer your early question, softball is hosting Missouri this weekend, playing Missouri here. Okay. 
Okay, so have you, have you guys still talked to JJ lately? I, he actually stopped by the office um, last week, and uh, we did get to see him, and we said hi, and he told us to tell you hello and uh, all, all that good stuff. He is working with softball. He's done a little bit of baseball this year, but he's mostly working with softball. I don't know if it'll be him or Britt Bowen on the call for this weekend series. Okay. But hey, did, I was going to tell you hey, real quick with the weather, uh, Thursday the high is supposed to be 81. Friday the high is supposed to be 84. Uh, right now it looks like a chance of rain on Saturday. But uh, definitely going to be warming up into the 80s for the uh, baseball series against Georgia. Well, hey, if you guys ever get if you guys ever get Cadillac or Zach Jeffries on the radio, tell him I like to like uh, ask him a few questions and stuff like that. But uh, hey, listen, my time's up. Hey, but I do want to do a big war eagle to uh, to um, James and Wardown Steve and tell them I said hey, they heard a call. Yeah, for sure. They uh, they listen to the show, so I'm sure they heard, buddy. Uh, have, you guys heard my, have you guys heard from Sean lately? I have not heard oh, from Sean in a couple of weeks. Don't know what's up with him. He's fired. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys, War Eagle, I'll call you guys next Monday. And you guys have a good weekend, and you guys have a happier early Easter to you guys. All right. All right, buddy. Have a good thank, one. Thank you very much, Matt War Eagle. That was Matt from Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn. On the Auburn Bank phone line, let's keep it rolling up next. Keith from Auburn. Keith from Auburn joins us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Keith, how are you, sir? Keith, you there? Yes, can you hear me? There you there go. I had, I had you turned off. That's my bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I hope everybody there is uh, doing okay as well. Uh, I, I got a couple of topics real quick. Uh, the first topic, it, it's kind of like this, uh, a thorn in my side. It's free throws. Okay? Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know Naismith invented the game of basketball, and I don't know if he came up with the free throw or who invented the free throw, but that is it, – it really is a shame that players can get a free shot and they can't get good enough at hitting at least 70% of their free throws. Now, I'm, I'm not digging on Janai Broom. I'm talking about in general with – college basketball players uh, with professional basketball players it is there's no excuse not to be able to learn how to shoot free throws and at least be 70 percent uh me personally uh, i'll tell you a good incentive um and I always said this about Shaquille O'Neal, and I can I can I can get a little bit about the fact that you're seven foot three or four or whatever, but still touch is touch, and a basketball is a basketball. Uh, basically, if you set their rear end on the bench until they learn how to shoot a free throw, I promise you they will learn how to shoot a free throw eventually. Now, coaches can't do that because it's what have you done for me lately. And uh, if you're a scoring machine out there and you just can't hit free throws, uh, you're, you know, still going to play. But, um, you know, I, I, I had an uncle that, that, that played in South Alabama back in the uh, early 70s and uh, six foot seven, uh, still holds some uh, basketball records in South Alabama. And I asked him one time, I said, why is it? that players can't shoot a basketball anymore. 
And this is what he told me, which made sense to some degree. A lot of kids grow up playing street basketball uh, and, and playing on the playground. Well, they don't practice a shot. They all play around the goal. They all are athletic now can jump, but they can't shoot a basketball. Now, I see that change now. I mean, you see a lot of players now that really are good, but, you know, they shoot the ball well. Uh, I, I think that's trending up. But, you know, back in the probably 80s or 90s, it seemed like uh, the big guys couldn't shoot a basketball other than, you know, a dunk or a layup or, you know, three or four foot from the goal. But and I don't know, guys. Y'all tell me your uh, thoughts on that. But, it, you know, free throw, you get a free shot. And if you hit – how many did Auburn miss total? 14? Miss 17. One guy missed 10. So if they hit – 17 free throws, they, technically they'd have won the ball game if you went by final score, correct? Or would it have been tied? Uh, tied. Would have been tied. tied. Now, you know, in a perfect world, that's not going to happen. I understand that. But where are the mechanics at? We, we have to get, you know, these players have to get back to the mechanics, especially at shooting a free throw. I mean, there's no excuse to be 18, 19, 20 years old, and you can't make a free throw. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't oh, well, so, so I'll tell you this: the one, the one thing that you'll notice that a lot of times the the players that have the worst trouble shooting free throws are big men, and it's yeah. a lot of times it has to do with the size of their hands, how close they are to the basket, and having to shoot with touch when that's just not what they're used to doing. But I, I just pulled this up, and if you go through here and you look at some of the worst free throw percentages of NBA players, yeah, so like Ben Wallace. Is the worst at forty one percent. But if you go through and look, Wilt Chamberlain, one of the best ever, he was only a fifty one percent free throw shooter. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal was only fifty two point seven percent. Right. Yeah, I, I know it's bigger. It's bigger guys. But yeah. hey, you know what? Bill Russell is on this maybe, list. Bill Russell was only fifty six percent. Yeah. Maybe as coaches with the bigger players, and I don't know. I, I'm throwing this out there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's no big time coaches listening uh, right now, but. If you got a big guy that struggles with the ball, why not teach him the Rick Barry way? That's a little more touch, uh, where you just take two hands and, and you, un, you know, you or anything, but or, or just put one hand up there. I, I've seen some players that do that. They'll spin it and just hold hold it on the one hand and yeah. shoot the free throw. So, but you know that, that I just don't understand. And I'm going to close with this one right here. I, I don't know what night it was. I believe it was Saturday night. And I'm not an NBA fan. I don't watch a ton of NBA basketball because I think it's a joke. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, I, I was watching the – I flipped channels, and I come up on the uh, Lakers and the Dallas Mavericks playing at, at, at L.A. And there's about seven minutes to go in the game. It was a close game. The Lakers was up three or four points. And it stayed that away for the most part for the, the rest of the fourth quarter. Um LeBron didn't play. He was over there in his three three piece uh, suit with his dark black sunglasses on, which I don't understand that. I mean, you'll you'll have to help me with the sunglasses, and I guess maybe his eyes were dilated or something. I, I don't know. But uh, Anthony Davis has no heart. Very talented, but always is hurt. You know, his team needs him to step up and play. I mean, they're they're battling for a playoff spot. They're playing Dallas, which is one game ahead of L.A. 
for like the ninth spot. Okay, and I think the the top ten go, but the top eight get in the playoffs or something without having to play the play-in games. Something like that, right? So, yeah, Anthony Davis goes to the free throw line with less than thirty or forty seconds to go in the game. Can't hit the the two free throws. So, long story short, it gets to the the very last possession. Dallas has the ball. Lakers are up two, and Kyrie has scored about forty-five points in that ball game. I mean, everything he shot was, uh, you know, looked like went in. Uh, and Kyrie's a great basketball player, uh, but when they throw the ball in, everybody knows who's going to get the basketball, right? So the defense for LA, you're, you're professionals, okay? Yeah, I see you could double team him. I, I ain't got a problem with that. Well, Anthony Davis is, is guarding some big guy for, for Dallas. And when they throw it into Kyrie, he steps down to the free throw line and leaves his player, who Kyrie passes across court to him for an open three and hits the game-winning shot. If, if he was disciplined enough to stay with his man, that would have never happened. That's why I don't like professional athletes, especially basketball, because uh, and, and it's this way some in, in college ball too. But I have yet to see a college basketball player or a pro basketball player when they foul somebody and they do foul them, just hold their hand up, and say that's me. They all want to look at the referee like, "What are you talking about?" There's no way I could have fouled him, and then you watch. The, the, the video or the replay of it, and the guy took half his arm off when he was shooting a three. But everyone does that. I, I, I just don't get that. But, you know, I just think Anthony Davis is a poor excuse of a team basketball player because he don't put forth the efforts. And, you know, I'm not going to harp on LeBron because when that guy's playing, he gives 125%. There's no doubt in my mind that guy wants to win basketball games. Uh, but Anthony Davis... He wouldn't be my teammate. He's no. pathetic. The way he he he's not a team player. He's got more ability than about anybody on the basketball floor. But he just won't, you know, play the game. No. Uh, I guess the way it should be played. Well, but anyway, guys, that's my uh, uh, whole uh, harp on, on on basketball. My my bracket's decent. It ain't great, uh, but I still got three uh, teams alive in the final. That, you know, I picked for the Final Four, and uh, Marquette killed me yesterday. Uh, you know, I, I never thought Michigan State would beat them, but I, I guess that's why we play the games, you know. Really? And uh, I don't know if y'all followed the story with Fairleigh Dickinson, but, you know, I watched that game, me and my wife, and we really was pulling for for Fairleigh Dickinson. And I don't, I, you know, I ain't got nothing against Florida Atlantic, but that coach for Fairleigh Dickinson, you know, I did my research on him. It's okay. Let's, let's learn about this guy. You know, he waited forever to get an opportunity to coach at, at a division one level. And Fairleigh Dickinson last year gave him an opportunity. I think they won four games last year, but his dream job, this is why I was wanting Fairleigh Dickinson to beat FAU and make it, uh, to the round, uh, the sweet 16, uh, because they would have been playing about 25 minutes from their campus. It, it was at Madison Square Garden. It's where they put where the Sweet Sixteen for that that bracket is. 
uh, his dream job. You know, and you see these coaches that do this, that, like St. Peter's, that guy went to the, what, Elite Eight, uh, and then he gets a head job at Seton Hall. That's his alma mater, you know. You know, these little little schools, they, they have a run, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, that guy uh, gets the uh, Western Kentucky job. You know, these teams that have a little success, that, the bigger teams will go out and hire these coaches. But the guy from Barry Dixon, his dream job, guys, are y'all ready for this one? It's the University of Notre Dame or Notre Dame University. They're without a coach right now unless they've hired somebody. <laughs> so that's why I was told to Barry Dixon. I said, look, give the man a – even if you put a leprechaun outfit on him, he'd be fit the – I mean, he looks just like the leprechaun guy for, for the, the mascot. He, he really does. <laughs> I mean, look at the pictures of the, 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 the mascots for Notre Dame. This guy would be – I mean, put a, he could coach on the sideline with a leprechaun suit on. And, and you know, but, uh, you know, of course, uh, I thought it was a good ball game. Both those teams wore me out. I had to take a break at halftime, go in there and take a 30-minute nap because I was so tired watching them run up down the floor. You know, half the time they wouldn't even score, and they was just running up down the floor. No. Uh, but well, it's like I said earlier, that was an entertaining game, but it's not one that you would have watched any other time except for the fact no, that it was in the NCAA tournament. And look, I never thought in, 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 uh, that FAU would ever uh, have would have ever beat Memphis. Okay, I watched FAU play UAB in the uh, their conference championship, and I, that's the first time I seen UAB play this year too. And I thought it was the same way. Both teams just run back and forth, up down the floor, and none of them could score. I mean, it was like. You know, after 12 minutes, it's like 8 to 5 or something. I was like, my gosh, can these people slow down a little bit and take a breath? Uh, and I said, there's no way Florida Atlantic uh, can advance in this tournament because they just are helter-skelter, you know. But, you know, they, they I guess that's what, you know, I will say this, and I, I know y'all talked about this, the NCAA basketball, these guys have got it right. The tournament's the greatest thing. It's the greatest show on earth, in my opinion. You can't beat it. You can't match it. Uh, it is where everybody has an opportunity to do what Fairleigh Dixon did. And you're going to see more and more of that because uh, of the transfer portal and things opening up. You know, I watched Fairleigh Dixon against FAU. FAU's won, what, 33 games or 32 games? Uh, but Fairleigh Dixon is not a bad basketball team. And they didn't even win their conference. You know, that they were that team that – uh, the two in front of them uh, wasn't eligible or something, I believe. So, uh, you know, I, I think you're seeing some even kill, with especially in basketball, with how you know how these athletes are are are, are doing and, and what you're seeing with some of these teams. So, it's always fun to watch a 16 team play a one, and um, you know, I'd love to see more 16s win. Just glad Alabama survived and and, and made it past A and M Corpus Christi and. Um, you know, San Diego State's got a great uh, basketball team. I, I really think Alabama, if, if they play well, uh, if they shoot the ball halfway decent. The, the thing with Alabama this year compared to all, all the other years is even if they don't shoot the ball well, defensively, they're good enough to keep keep them in the ball game to have a chance to win at the end. Yeah, I, you know, Keith, I absolutely think that Alabama's got a pretty clear path to the Final Four, and, and I'm with you. I think I think they're probably the best team left in the field uh, from top to bottom. We've got to hit a commercial break, Keith, but uh, thank you for calling today. Hey, man, y'all have a good one. Thank you, Keith, you as well. we got to get to a commercial break. When we come back, our best and worst of the weekend and a nightly TV guide as we do every single day. You are listening to Sports Call. 
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Final segment of this sports call, first sports call of the week. Brant Daughtry and Tom Peavy have been hosting you for the last two and a half hours, final ten minutes or so of the show. We've had a we've had a heck of a show. Yeah. Actually, Tom, you know, something that we are supposed to do every day that I neglected to do today. Birthdays. We've already finished the first two hours of sports call today. We did birthdays. <sighs> oh, we did. Boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Sports Call Daily Show Recap. Supposed to do this at the be- at the beginning of hour number three. We're doing it here about uh, 30 minutes into hour number three. But, uh, Tom... Heck of a day. A lot, a lot of phone calls. A lot of talk about Auburn yeah. basketball. That's been that's been most of our focus is yeah. Auburn basketball. We also broke the news about uh, the Braves, the Von Grissom and uh, yep. Braden Shoemake being sent back down to AAA, and uh, that is that is your Braves news for better or worse today. It, it's been a it's been a show that we have not had any guests, but we have filled that with a lot of callers and yeah, a lot of great callers. But uh, yeah, I mean we've we've discussed uh, a lot of the the men's basketball losing in the tournament, uh, or winning in the tournament, and then losing in the tournament. Right. That took up the majority of what we discussed. But uh, we also discussed the the uh, women's basketball winning an NIT game. Um, we have discussed well, like you mentioned, the Braves. We've also discussed a, a little bit of uh, Auburn football with spring and the quarterback situation, and uh, and some of the comments that Hugh Freeze has made. Um, a lot that we have not touched um, just because there was so much going on, so much to try to talk about. Man, three hours is a lot of time, but uh, it flies by when when it flies by when you're having fun. And yeah, it, it fills up when you're like you said, time flies when you're having fun. But also like we, we have callers and they want to talk about certain yeah. things. And that is the second half of the name of the show. Sports call, call. right? Like it, it's 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 driven by the caller. Right. So obviously we appreciate every single phone call that yeah. we get. Um, and you know you, you can reach us at uh, 334-887-3401 or toll free at one triple eight nine tiger 9 but after, at the end of every Monday show we do this now time for the best Woo-hoo! and worst no 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 of the weekend have you ever watched the office all the way through uh, I you know I started binge watching that and then I fell off of it somewhere along the way so I have not watched all the way through the last few seasons of right. it I, great, I watched, great show though. Yeah, fantastic. I watched it uh, pretty early in college. I had a friend who was really into it, and he was like, "Hey, man, I think you'd really like this show." And obviously, I'd heard of it. It's The Office, so I I, I ended up binging all the way through it. But uh, best and worst of the weekend. If anybody's wondering where I got The Office from, the end of that line, the no, 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 is from The Office, yeah, and that's Steve Carell's character. Yeah, Michael yeah. Scott. Michael Scott. Uh, so, Tom, do you want to start best uh, and worst of the weekend? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to go ahead and start off with the worst because I, you know. Get the bad out of the way first. Uh, There was a lot of bad from Auburn Athletics this weekend, but, man, the softball team is really, really disappointing. And, I mean, things are just not going in a good direction. Uh, Last weekend they they lose a series uh, to Georgia. Uh, And then they go this weekend to the Oklahoma Hall of Fame Classic. Knew it was going to be tough, but uh, they won their first game 4-2 to over Weber State. Great. 
But then, Weber State is a pretty good softball program. Yeah. They're not they're not a slouch. Right. But you win that one four to two, but then you turn around, and you lose two to one to Northwestern, you lose six to five to Northwestern. And then number one Oklahoma comes in and just blows the doors off Auburn fourteen to nothing in the Saturday in the first game Saturday in five innings, and then seven to one uh, in the Sunday finale against Oklahoma. And so Oklahoma outscores Auburn a grand total of twenty one to set or twenty one to one in two games. Uh, and if you look at message boards, there's a lot of people questioning Mickey Dean now and the future right. of this program because it just it just feels like things are not going in the direction they want and. Uh, that's just that was a bad bad weekend of softball right there. Right, very and disappointing. What's interesting that uh, that Saturday game, that seven to one game, Auburn took the lead in the top of the first inning. Lindsey Garcia led off with a home run, right. and Auburn held a one nothing lead until I think the the bottom of the second or bottom of the third, and then uh, it, o- Auburn just couldn't ever threaten again, and Oklahoma just kind of kept chipping away and and adding on, and never really hung a crooked number on Auburn, but uh, I just. You looked up, and all of a sudden, you were down by seven runs. Yeah. Oh, and, and the thing, I think this is what's so frustrating, is everybody's like, okay, well, he's known as a pitching coach, and and that, and that you've got supposedly some really, really good pitchers yeah, here. Matt, Matty Pinta has been outstanding this year, which right. tells you how good Oklahoma's lineup is, because right. they have and, five and, runs on her, I think. Right. And, and, you know, and so it's been, he's a great pitching coach, but they just can't find any offense. Well, then your pitchers get lit up for 14 runs in the first and seven in the second, and your offense can't produce anything either, so... Just diff, just difficult. It's a four-game losing streak, and uh, they are one for their last six. So Yeah, he had a, had a tough weekend in the Georgia series. One, yeah. one, one, lost one, and then the, the, fi- the third game of that Georgia series, you held the lead in, in, the, in the bottom of the seventh, and you just couldn't get the third out. So and and it went just, to ten innings. That last game yeah, against Georgia yeah. last weekend went ten innings. They That's lost true. five I, to four. I should know that. I was in here board-opping the game. Yeah. But it, just a, a, a tough – Tough stretch here for Auburn softball, and hopefully they can get it back yeah. on track. Do you have a best? Uh, yeah, so my I, best. I, I would give my worst, but my best and my worst are connected. I got you. Well, no, so my best, and uh, and and we brought it up. And uh, Steve's phone call was asking about the end of the TCU game. Uh, I think it was Steve that brought that up. Um, so uh, I'm just reading from this story. So it appeared that Gonzaga spread betters would be cashing their tickets after the Bulldogs made a pair of free throws to go up by six points with one second on the clock against TCU. And the final round game of the uh, or the second round game of the NCAA tournament, so Gonzaga was favored by four and a half at the Caesar Sportsbook, uh, and the free throws they put them up by six with .7 left on the clock. All right, so if you if you bet uh, if you bet for Gonzaga on that one, you're ready to cash in big time. Well, senior guard Damian Bo- Ball roll the ball uh, so the clock wouldn't start. Players were pretty much going off the floor. Game was over because there's only .7 seconds left, and I mean the game's over. A three doesn't do anything. He picks the ball up, heaves it up, it goes in, and it becomes a three point game, and they don't cover the spread. So just I, I'm Steve. I, Steve likes to talk about bad beats, and that's why he brought that up. No. And that that is that is the baddest of beats. For that, sure. I mean a non consequential just three pointer for the heck of just throwing up a three pointer. Ended up making it a three-point game, and it did not cover the four-and-a-half-point spread Yeah, when it would have. My best and worst of the weekend are connected. My best is going to be this. Uh, over the weekend, the NCAA uh, Wrestling held their championships, and um, let me look up the name. I have it pulled up here. Purdue's Matt Ramos 
pulled an upset over Iowa's Spencer Lee. Lee is in his senior season and has won the last three national championships. He is three for three winning national championships, and Ramos ended up pinning him and upsetting him uh, in that final round. So just an incredible upset at the 125-pound weight class. Uh, My worst of the weekend is going to be uh, immediately after that match, um, Lee's mother was shown in the stands, and she absolutely w- was one heartbroken, which is understandable. And immediately after, took off her glasses and absolutely destroyed, destroyed them. Destroyed them. If, if you have not seen hands. that video, uh, Lee's mother just absolutely ripping apart uh, her glasses, which is unfortunate. Now, the last thing we do every day. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Our nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, Some WNCAA tournament action. Louisville at Texas at 6 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, FGCU at Villanova. I'll turn this boy down at 6 p.m. at ESPNU. Uh, And then some WNIT action if you're looking for more Auburn sports. Uh, Auburn plays Clemson tonight at 6 p.m. on ACC Network Extra. A movie pick for you tonight. Cars 2 at 6 p.m. on the Disney Channel and the World Baseball Classic, which has been just a ton of fun in my opinion. Japan versus Mexico, 6 p.m. on FS1. Uh, We'll be talking more about the World Baseball Classic later in the week on the show uh, when we get to our player of the week, actually. A little tease for you. Yeah, Uh, yeah, been some uh, incredible... Uh, atmospheres for those games and somebody even joked it's like these are they've play, been playing those in the marlins park in miami and uh yeah one of somebody joked they're like this, this is the largest crowd ever in marlins park oh yeah absolutely nobody shows up to watch the marlins absolutely. but by god they are packed to the rafters yeah it's it, for it, that world baseball classic i have seen a lot of people go oh this doesn't matter when edwin diaz got hurt he's out for the year for the mets yeah uh because he was he was celebrating at the wbc just a just an unfortunate event, but people saying that this doesn't matter, I dare you to go watch one of those games and tell me it doesn't matter. It's been an absolute treat to watch, and uh, you know, I wish the WBC came around more because it's just been awesome. It's just been awesome, and like yeah. you said, the the atmosphere has been incredible. Yeah, it's like a world. It's like World Cup soccer except yeah. it's baseball. Absolutely. Well, that will do it for this Monday edition of Sports Call. Tom Peavy, thank you very much for joining me today, sir. Yeah, man, enjoyed it. My name has been Brant Daughtry. Thank you so very much for having me. Big thanks to all our callers and all our listeners. Listen to the podcast. Go follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at SportsCallAU, all the good stuff. And uh, that will do it for us here today. Thank you for listening. We will see you all tomorrow. Ryan LaVoy back in the host seat.